Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Phil Crafts Survival Podcast. George, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Mike? What you been up to? Uh, you know, we had that course in um, Burrow Canyon on Saturday with Risen Warrior. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big LA, man. Yeah. Big shout out to Los Angeles um, for not uh, doing uh, shelter in place. Yeah. Uh, when we left there, it was like the Autobahn, man. <laughs> I was going 100 miles an hour in my... Uh, I mean, I was going the speed limit in my big old truck, and the people were passing me Flying. at 100 miles an hour. Because supposedly, and this isn't supposedly, we confirmed this because we have instructors that are CHP guys, big shout out to Nick, um, that told us that the jails aren't taking anybody because of COVID-19. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he told us that. You I'm can't like, even book anybody. I'm like, wow. You can't even arrest anybody because like, you can't book them. Nothing. In California, that's a bad thing. Yeah. There's a shit ton of crime in California. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Shout out to everyone that actually came out and participated because... Look, here's how I look at it, man. We are essential. Yeah. I'm not fucking shutting my doors. Nope. If you, like, the government is not going to shut my business down. I'm e-commerce based. You tell yeah. me to go home. You can't show up at your work. Okay, I'll do it from my, my house. Yeah. And I'll continue to show up and train. Uh, this, this thing with the uh, COVID-19 is getting out of control in certain areas, man. I think the dis- the disparity between what you determined is essential versus non-essential. Mm-hmm. So Walmart's essential, Target's essential, yeah. but you're telling me, and you can congregate in mass, right? But I can't go to the wo- out in the woods and camp or go to the lake. And yeah, fish. but you're shutting down national parks yeah. or you're shutting down mom and pop shops. Yep. They're not essential. They're more essential because they're the fabric of this nation. Mm-hmm. You shut down those businesses, you destroy the employees that work for that company, the business itself to employ people in the future, and it blows my mind. Yeah, man. the whole area of the town that lives in, because that town could just be all small businesses. Yeah, they it shut could be. down, boom, they're well, done. In rural America, it is small business. Yeah. But, but, but Walmart, big company, big corporations, okay? Mm. See, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but this whole thing, it, it, it aggravates the shit out of me. And I hear, like, here's this Chris Roos, Roos Chris's Steakhouse. Oh, my God. So <laughs> How much did they take? They took $20 million. <laughs> So So here's the, here's the caveat. This SBA, which is small business, is supposed to compensate businesses to give them forgive, forgivable loans to help them keep their employees. There was a 2.5 times metric of being able to pay their overhead to their employees and their and their cost of operating for two and a half months. So a small business could stay on their feet and continue to keep their people employed. Well, it's supposed to be 500 employees or less. Roos Steakhouse or Chris's Steakhouse has more than that. They yeah. have thousands. They actually have, I think, 8,000. Mm-hmm. But there's a loophole in the verbiage that says per location. Oh, uh, okay. But on top of that, it's supposed to be for small business, right? Mm-hmm. They're a franchise. On top of that, they're publicly traded. So you're telling me a publicly traded company. Oh, no, here's something else. Supposedly, they have $100 million in the bank. That's what I'm saying, man. You ain't got $20 million set aside. It's, you're, a, you're a franchise. You're a franchise. So, <laughs> so instead, of, instead of allowing small businesses in your community to do this, then... You're you're going to take twenty million dollars, which is we applied for seventy five thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. And we got denied because the money was uh, ran out dry. So you got this steakhouse that takes twenty million dollars, and there's a couple examples: uh, shake, and, uh, shake, steak and shake, steak and shake, or shake and steak. Yeah, they they're giving it back because they got all the pre- the political pressure, See? dude. 
I number one, I don't. I've only been to that uh, Chris's Steakhouse once, and it was actually good. Never again. I've never been. I won't go, dude. I, I just like if if though like if you have small businesses in your community and you look at a business like that, that that's that fucking greedy. You know they were like. Oh, you know how my bank account set up? I can't, you know, dude. I can't access that one hundred million right now. Yep, I guarantee Bro, you said something like that. That's the kind of businesses you boycott, <laughs> uh, dude. I would rather go and go to my my uh, local butcher and yep. cook that steak myself than spend a penny with that company. I can make it better. Um, and and some people argue that oh, they're well, they're taking care of their employees. That's not the point. Everybody's trying to take care of their employees. Mm-hmm. The point is, you have a federal government system. That's trying to allow small businesses to operate, and then you have big corporations taking advantage of the loophole. That in itself is unethical, and I think uh, is one reason you should never eat there again. Uh, look, line out those companies, never eat at those companies again. Oh, God. Oh, here's some companies that I like that actually <laughs> are squared away. Um, big shout out to Killcliffe. Yes. Killcliffe is a sponsor of the Phil Kraut Survival Podcast. Look, man, they give profit. Uh, or proceeds of their profit to the Navy SEAL Foundation. Yeah, I mean, I- any business model that does that, that's taking care of their own, I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, Navy SEAL Foundation, I'm not a Navy SEAL, but they take care of the families and active and uh, former veterans uh, of the Navy SEAL community. And that's always a good thing because these guys and gals need to be taken care of. Uh, the veteran affairs system is absolutely fucking isn't. Sorry. A little, little harbored fucking anger there. <laughs> um, but if you guys use Survival10, you guys can save 10% at killcliff.com. We have CBD drinks in front of us. Mm. Dude, I'm addicted to these I things. I love, it's called the GOAT. How many of these did we get? It's called the grapiest of all time. <laughs> love it. And was then, that a fake laugh? No, that was real. That was real, okay. And then we got Mango Tango, three flavors. I love CBD. 25 milligrams. Why do you sound like Barry White, man? What's going on? Uh, we're also sponsored by KC Highlights. Well, KC Highlights brings people together via their product, which is the best lights in the in the business. But they they are good at community, and I love KC Highlights for that reason. Uh, all the way back to the Back to the Future one, when that KC yeah. Highlights were on that uh, Toyota Hilux. I love that, man. But you guys could go to kchighlights.com and save 10% on any, on any build or any purchase from KCHighlights.com using Fieldcraft. One word. Triarch, man. You like you got a Triarch. I got a Triarch. Um, I don't like to shoot it because I'm going to keep it new, you know? No, I can't. <laughs> you got it hung up on the wall? I got it hung up on the wall above the fireplace. Triarch uh, Systems, man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I can't say enough. Everything that they, they produce is solid. Like that Tri-11, it, oh, it's just... Don't you be shooting my? It's like a piece of art, you know. It is, man. I I I'm a big fan of of Triarch Systems. My favorite thing they do is the pistol builds. Uh, That Tri Eleven, I have one. It's I got the Commander version, which is a short barrel version. Mm -hmm. People ask me, "Hey, would you carry that everyday carry?" Absolutely. Why not? Why would you not? It's one of the best shooting guns. Flat triggered Tri Eleven, double stack nine mil. Great gun. Great company. Great guys. Uh, TriarchSystems.com. It's T R I A R C Systems.com. Use Philcraft to save 5% on any build, which is a good deal. Also, we're sponsored by Tier Tactical. They're, they're, doing, they're doing masks now. They're doing masks. Uh, somebody asked me, hey, are these guys trying to capitalize on what's going on? No. no. That, they've, they actually got approached by the Department of Defense to make the masks that were, um, uh, what do you call it, that are uh, uh, medically... Uh, what is it? 
N95 approved. Or like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the filter and all that. Yeah, everything is is made to to a standard for the DoD, and the masks they sell on their website are actually twenty percent off now on TierTactical.com, and it's T Y R Tactical. Dot com. You guys could use Philcraft to save 15% on anything. I run their gun belt. I use their body armor. I use their uh, ch- the chest rig. And their bags. You like their, their jungle ruck? I got their jungle ruck for bugging out. Um, big fan of them. Also, we're sponsored by Dometic. Dometic.com. If you go to shop.dometic.com, shop.dometic.com, and use Philcraft, you can get free shipping. I use Dometic fridges in all my go- Overland and Go Rig uh, builds. Keeps the beer cold, keeps the kill cliff cold. Um, also keeps those steaks not from Chris's yep. steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm just angry. Um, also, we're sponsored by uh, BCM Bravo Company Manufacturing. Look, we don't have a code for them, man. They just they give us a they, code. They don't care. Here, here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal with BCM, man. Bravo Company has been sponsoring me as a gunfighter. Uh, since the very get go, since I started my business, they vetted me for a year. I'm I'm with guys like Kyle DeFore, uh, Tom Spooner, JD Podinsky, uh, Kyle Lamb. It, it is an honor and privilege to be in the same on the same page, like on BCM.com on the same page, and uh, had great opportunities to do different things. But I've been shooting their guns since I got out of the military. It was the first carbine that I picked up and started using. One of the best guns carbines ever made. It, it's flawless. I put 10,000 plus rounds to my BCM. Every class. Every class. In fact, if you're interested in BCM, like you want to maybe get one, hit us up at info at philcraftsurvival.com. We don't do the entire gun builds. We do the uppers. You're doing the FFL thing today, right? Uh, yes. I need you to yeah, make don't a be phone sleeping call on for that. me. I'll do that, man. Don't be okay. sleeping on that. Um, but check out uh, bravocompanymanufacturing.com. Big shout out to John Chang, head of marketing and Black powder, red earth. If you want to know what that means, just Google it. Um, I've helped consult with that. Dope stuff. That's all I got to say. Um, also, we're sponsored by Adventure Trailers Overland. You like that summit, right? I do. It's it's so convenient. It's just nice. It's clean. Mm-hmm. The lines are real nice on it. Didn't you pop the top and then poop in my poop? No, I didn't do the poop yet. I'm I'm just waiting on that. I'm waiting on the right. Did you time. potty squatty like you? Uh, you peed uh, uh, on on your sitting butt down. <laughs> sitting down. <laughs> no, I peed outside. I, I haven't I haven't used it yet. Oh, really? No, not yet. Oh, that's all me in that. That's all you. Okay, man, I gotta get that cleaned out. Um, I use the summit. So the summit. People ask me why you're gonna use a summit, which is a cab uh, truck bed design uh, camping system. Why would you use that versus a, a, a system on top? And the simple answer is, I don't like to suffer, suffer anymore. Mm-mm. I, I've suffered enough in the military. When I camp, I want to get good sleep. Sleep is so important in life, but when you're in the field, when you're overlanding and you're trying to enjoy the outdoors, and you don't get a good night's sleep, it's not it's it's no bueno, right? No. I want to sleep in comfort, and that system allows me to do that. I got a diesel heater being installed by the guys uh, from Summit Off-Road, big shout out to those guys, providing me uh, a warm place that's insulated, and I could pop that camper. How long did it take you to pop that camper? Oh, it was like two seconds, man. Two seconds. It's I mean, crazy, honestly, right? Honestly, it's two buckles, and you push it up, and that's it. That's insane. I mean, that's it. Yeah. If you ever try to do a, a rooftop tent. You got to take the, the, the cover off. Then you got to fold it out. Dude, it, it is the biggest pain in the ace. 
Um, I recommend uh, the Summit. I just went with that version. They do have several other versions. The uh, the Atlas is their newest one. Uh, you guys can check them out at AT Overland. Or is it Adventure Trailers Overland? Adventure Trailers. AdventureTrailersOverland.com. Uh, All right, guys. So this podcast, uh, Raul got the opportunity to interview Aaron, who is a former Navy SEAL and somebody that we are vetting through the process of becoming an instructor. Uh, just to let you guys know, we don't just pick people up and just make them instructors at Philcraft Survival. One, they have to be vetted with us a minimum of six months. That means AI in classes with us observing their behavior, and they have to be the subject matter expert. If they don't have the experience and they aren't the experts, being a first responder or a former military guy is not good enough. We have to make sure they're good teachers. Uh, Aaron's going through that process now, and Raul in Kansas City got the opportunity to catch up with uh, Aaron, and, and you guys get to hear his story. So, you ready for this? I'm ready. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. Today, I'm your host, Raul Martinez, and with me, I have a new addition uh, coming on to the team helping us out, um, Aaron Taylor, former Navy SEAL, 10 years, I believe. Aaron, is that right? Yes, sir. Outstanding. So, um, Aaron's sitting here with me. We're out in Kansas City. We're doing a bunch of training, so it was a three-day event. Kevin's out here as well. Uh, we've done a law enforcement day, then we boogied on to the next day where we handled Gunfighter 2, a lot of vehicle-based training, and then today in the evening we'll end up doing a low-light, no-light shoot, and then tomorrow morning we'll be helping Kevin out with long-range carving. Uh, great programs, great feedback. I encourage you guys to get out there and train with us, spend some time with us, and uh, Give us a shot. You guys will definitely enjoy it. Look for other people's feedback if that's something that you guys are into. And, yeah, let's get to it, Aaron. Yes, sir. Tell me some cool Navy SEAL stuff. But, no, no, no. I want to know the Navy SEAL stuff, and they want to know. But who are you, where would you come from, and how would you end up where you are today? It's kind of a loaded question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I hail from Texas. I grew up in Keller, Texas, which is uh, about 25 minutes or so north of Fort Worth, if anyone knows that area. Um, yeah, I graduated in 2005, but um, I guess we should probably start back with uh, me becoming or wanting to become a SEAL. Um, it's kind of actually a funny story. I'm sure I'll get made fun of for this, but... <laughs> I'm sure everyone knows the movie G.I. Jane. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now, that wasn't the actual, like, start of it. Um, to be honest, both my parents tell me, you know, I was about seven or eight whenever um, I first started talking about it. Um, I grew up playing rugby, and um, a buddy that was a friend of my dad's that was on his uh, his his uh, men's team, um, he used to have a, a trident necklace. And I remember asking him about it one time, and, uh, you know, he had told me that he was at SEAL Team 5 and told me some stories, and, you know, it was me as, like, a nine, eight, nine, ten-year-old thought it was awesome. That's where it first started, and um, I always loved the water. I always loved being around the water. Um, my dad also was a, uh, he was a scuba diver, and um, so I was in the water at a very early age. I remember one of my first dives was, I was actually about 12, 11 or so, 12, and um, always loved that, and then I, you know, knew I wanted to be military, um, but there really wasn't much, you know, I feel like some guys have some kind of awesome, great story. I just, you know, I always wanted to serve. I knew that, um, that's, that was my personality, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, fight the wicked and protect the, the weak kind of thing. Um, I think most, most, uh, you know, military people that, that have that calling, you know, it truly is a calling to be, um, on a special forces level, you know, with that. And, um, so it just kind of, it's kind of evolved from there. 
you know, um, wanting to, to be military and be around the water. As I grew, as I got a little bit older in the middle school, started reading all the books, and that's when I saw G.I. Jane, started watching that movie, you know, and um, a couple other, you know, goofy movies. Of course, Charlie Sheen, we all know, he played a, <laughs> he played a part in that, yeah. <laughs> you know. And um, so this, between the books, the uh, Dick Couch books and um, the uh, Discovery Channel stuff, I'm sure anyone that is you know aspiring to be a seal or is a seal or was a seal knows about the uh buds class um discovery channel videos and so you know. from the beginning you knew it was going to be the navy absolutely based on the water and the navy seal deal i knew that i wanted to do probably in the very beginning i knew that i wanted to do military and then the fact that i love being in the water pretty quickly went to navy went to yeah. seal versus you Makes know sense. green beret or the other sf communities right on and so all of this water training, right? We'll just call it water training, experience with water uh, as a kid. Uh, did that help out a lot, or was it kind of <laughs> like a hindrance? Or <laughs> It actually was a hindrance, man, to be oh, honest. Oh, shit. Uh, there you go. Here's a funny story. So I didn't, this is embarrassing. I didn't learn how to swim, honestly, until I was probably nine or 10 years old. Um, <laughs> I think I dang near drowned probably three times prior to that. It's probably why I was terrified of the water. Not so much terrified of the water, just terrified of the deep end. <laughs> so um, you I didn't have that illogical <laughs> fear of being eaten by a shark in a swimming pool. Not at all. That wasn't like, you. Damn it, dude. Yeah. That's just me. Maybe it's just you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never feared the water. I just feared drowning. I guess I'm, I think um, oh, I had all. I had a few near drowning experiences as a small child. So fist pump, dude. I've I've had some of those. Yeah, it was uh, it was bad. I remember specifically one time. Uh, it was Thanksgiving there with the family. Um, it was cold. I don't know why, but I had fallen in the water, and my grandmother, who couldn't get in the water, was trying to yell and trying to call for my parents. But I was just like, she wasn't really. I don't know. In my mind, wasn't trying to help. And I'm like, <laughs> Grandma, I'm gonna drown. You know, I'm like nine years old. Ugh. You know, so I think I eventually learned how to swim. You know, around ten or so. And um, that's when I started diving when I was a, little, a couple years later, uh, 12 or 13, started doing a couple of little small dives, nothing nothing crazy. And that's what I think um, from that point, this is kind of a funny story, I you know, ended up being a SEAL and I didn't know how to swim until I was 10 years old. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, I got real good at swimming, so. Nice. Yeah. So w what else, other than the water stuff and knowing you were going to get guided towards the, the Navy side of everything and then the Navy SEAL uh, influences, right, or, or as special mm -hmm. forces in general going in that direction, uh, it, at, at what age specifically did you make that decision? Like, all right, for sure it's the Navy. It's going to be Navy SEALs. Was it that trident that you got to that you saw on the dude? Uh, you know, man, now that you ask me that, I've never really thought about it this deep, but it probably was. I was probably 12 or 13, and mixed between doing the scuba diving with my dad, I just loved the, the fact that I could breathe underwater. I was like, this is nice. so cool. It's like a whole <laughs> other world, you know? Yeah. It's a whole other, like, there's all different types of, like, life down here and all the fish, and I, I was just, I mean, absolutely amazed at, like, 12. And then I met my dad's friend who had the trident. He was a big old dude. I mean, he was probably, and I'm not, I'm not big, <laughs> but I mean, he was probably 240, 250, 6'3", 6'4", big dude. Um, what most people think of when you think Navy SEAL, you think so this like big presence, jacked, right? Oh, he had like a huge. presence. He had a big trident yeah. necklace on, and I'm just like, <laughs> and he played rugby with my dad, you know, and he was hard, and I'm like, dude, like this guy's a badass. This is what I want to be like, you know. Probably about 12, 13 years old was when I really was like Navy SEAL. Like, For that's, sure, that's, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, 
and I, I mean, we ask that just because it's a it's a good parameter for a lot of uh, of the people that have younger kids that are trying to get into it because we all had that weird feeling, like you said, it's a certain personality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I knew as a kid, I think my mom knew as a kid that I was going to join the military. Uh, definitely more the military than law enforcement. Like law enforcement just kind of happened accidentally for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I've told that story before, but uh, the military, I knew. Like I knew I was going to do something, and I did it, and it was really cool a great experience for me as well but there's a lot of people that are on the fence and that's kind of what we're talking about now and that's why it's really great that you're sharing that story is because uh it helps people if they are on the fence like oh man whoa i've been having those thoughts too you know what i mean as a kid and i think it's even more symbolic and has a better feel to it when you're 12 years old and you've already made a decision that's a grown-up freaking decision you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's pretty rad man uh, so w- what happened then when you made that decision? Uh, you said you started reading certain books, certain things that yep. led you even more. Yeah, I definitely just, I mean, I just dove head first, so to speak, in the, d- you know, in the deep end. I mean, I went right down the rabbit hole. I got my you hands had on make every a, single a water book. Reference. <laughs> <laughs> right? Jumped right in the deep end where I was so terrified before. Um, I mean, I got my hands on every book, any movie, anything that had anything to do with any kind of, and not even just Navy SEAL, but any kind of special forces or Army, Navy, you know, and then obviously, especially the um, Navy SEAL portion, any kind of Navy SEAL thing, I was definitely reading everything from the uh, Ditch Ca- uh, uh, Dick Couch books, you know, he's got um, two of them, and um, those were really, uh, those are uh, very, you know, influential to me, and then um, I grew up playing rugby and wrestling, and, you know, it's funny, they say that the two best, um, things you can do sport-wise prior to going into SEAL training is wrestling and basketball. Huh. And I don't, I, I never played basketball. I don't understand basketball, but maybe it's the sprinting or something. I don't know, the fitness level. But You didn't ask? I've, I mean, someone said, you know, wrestling and basketball. I'm like, well, I'm a wrestler, <laughs> so cool. You know, I'd, I got one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then rugby makes you hard, makes For you tough. Sure. You know, so um, playing in Texas in the winter, you know, it actually gets pretty cold. So I actually liked the cold. I prefer the cold over the heat. So for me, going through still training again, being wet, being cold, being miserable, being tired, like I, like I, I absolutely loved that. Like that was, I feel like my strength. I'm not the most talented person. I'm not, I'm not some weird. And you know, like there are yeah. those genetic freaks. You're just for like, sure. how the hell are you so fast and strong? And it, <laughs> I'm not naturally talented at you know, anything. But I just worked my ass off harder than the guy next to me. You know, and that was, um, I think, something that really benefited me through middle school and high school. You know, wrestling, playing rugby, and then also training for what I knew I would do right after high school. And um, so, I how was high school? Because I know we make this decision at twelve, right? And our, <laughs> our brain's like, "Yeah, we're gonna go do Navy Seal shit," and then puberty hits, and then all this other stuff happens, right? Uh, in that time frame, after making the decision and reading the books and getting prepped and primed, it's cool that at, at an early age you have that focus and where you're going. Uh, how is life? In between the 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 day you booked and 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 uh, joined, um, from the day you made the decision, like those in and out. That's a really really quick quick great question. I've never been asked that actually, and <laughs> I've got a pretty funny I guess answer about that. But you know, I'm looking back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah. You know, and it's like how would I've done things differently? Honestly, I probably would have had more fun in high school. <laughs> like, man, I should have partied more. I should have dated more girls. I should have, you know, I should have tried alcohol. First time I ever got drunk, I think I was 23, 22, 23 years old. Like, I, you know, so looking back, like, I probably would have been every parent's, like, you know, dream child. Like, didn't get in any <laughs> trouble, made straight A's, went to, you know, all honors classes, wrestled, you know, played rugby at fairly high levels. And um, didn't go out, didn't do drugs, didn't drink, didn't really mess around with a girl. That's just, you know, like, 
I feel like I probably would have been every parent's dream. But then looking back now, it's like I should probably have had more fun. I should have done more stuff, you know. <laughs> but I mean, that's just who I am. That's that's how I am. Like whenever I have a goal, like it's it's just all or nothing. Yeah. You know, I'm super super passionate about that. You know, again, that's my strength. I'm not super talented physically. Um, or even mentally, <laughs> you know, but um, I do work hard, you know, and I knew that that uh, to achieve that goal, especially from where I, from where I was from and the family that I was raised in, I didn't have any military um, mom or dad. I, I didn't have that example. So yeah. I knew that how I was going to win, how I was going to beat people was to be the hardest, the hardest motherfucker there and just to work harder than everyone else. It's awesome, man. You know? And I think not even knowing and what's kind of cool. And I'm kind of glad I asked that uh, that in between question was there are modes of discipline and things that you did not even knowing that it was going to translate. Maybe you didn't know, maybe you did, I don't know. Or maybe you just forgot at one point. You're mm-hmm. like, you made the decision to be a certain way because you knew it was going to help you in the long oh, run. Absolutely. Uh, where people like me didn't make those decisions. <laughs> I was such a more bad like that, kid, you know? dude. But, oh, man. Yes I mean, and no, right? It, it, it's, yeah. a, it's one of those I mean, things like you, you didn't know? do it, so you wish you did, but then had you done it, maybe you wish you were enough. Now. Yeah, so... Yeah. You know, I'm a I'm a huge believer in things are the way they should be, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of regrets. I'm not mad about a lot of things, and I don't dislike people. And it's yeah. a big deal for me, and I'm just happy that way. You know what I mean? It's just the way I am. It makes me really happy to be that way. And all it is is just things are the way they should be, man. Life is the way it's I supposed agree. to be. Absolutely. Nothing is bad. No one's out to get me. Uh, we kind of make our own Although way. I think that sometimes. Sometimes, you right? You put yourself back like, all right. It's yeah. just me. Yeah. You know, like, it's just me adding things that aren't even there. Yeah. Uh, but but that's just human nature, right? We try to yeah. do that. Um, and not to it's not like a place blame thing, but I think it's just a, a way to cope when we haven't found the answers to the problems we're dealing with currently, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So so how was life uh, pre uh, going to um, going the Navy SEAL route? Because you had to join the <laughs> Navy first, right? I did. I got a, quite a story. My... <laughs> My early history, honestly, is probably crazier than my, like, SEAL history, I guess, because for anyone listening to this that's, you know, dealing with a lot of hardship in life and then still wants to achieve something great, especially whether it's be a SEAL or be a Green Beret or go Army, go Navy, you know, what, whatever your branch is um, or your path is, rather, um, just I want... I want everyone to know that, like, if I had one message, that don't think that just because you made one bad decision or one bad thing or what what you even may may perceive as bad, that that limits you. Nothing limits you besides yourself. And if you want to achieve whatever it is, you want to be a Navy SEAL, you want to be a Green Beret, you want to be a scientist, a doctor, a lawyer, like, just because something happens to you that may that, that you may think changes your course, stay the course. Just stay the course. Say, keep doing what you want to do. And I didn't want to party. I didn't want to go out and drink in high school. I wanted to wake up at 5 a.m., do a thousand, you know, push-ups, and do a bunch of pull-ups and sit-ups, <laughs> and then go swim, and then go to school and do cross-country and wrestling and rugby, and then get out and keep doing working out. Like that was all I did for four years. Should I have partied more? Maybe, but it paid off. I, 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 I lived my dream for 10 years. Yeah. You know. But um, to answer your question. I had to preface it with that because <laughs> um, in high school, I had a around sophomore, junior year, I started dating a girl, and um, we were together about a year and a half before, you know, about six months before I was graduating, and um, so we were together about two years maybe, and um, it was already planned that we were going to break up. Like, she was going to college, and, and it was mutual. We were both cool about it. Like, hey, like, we're in high school. We're young. I'm joining the Navy. I'm going to go do the whole SEAL thing. You know, you're, go- you're, you're going off to college. You know, we were both cool with it. Well, then she got pregnant. Oh, <laughs> right. Dun, so, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
so yeah so that happens and then you know people so that's what i'm referring to you wait, know whenever wait, wait. so how how did that then affect that moment was that you were already in no i hadn't even joined yet i you knew i was going to obviously yet. but okay i hadn't joined yet okay i hadn't I had gone and talked to the recruiters maybe, but I hadn't gone to MEPS. I hadn't signed any paperwork. I hadn't really had any serious conversations yet. Okay. Like, I knew that I was going to go. I just wasn't quite there yet because I was still like maybe even six to eight months before I was even graduating. She was Man. a year behind me. I was a senior. She was a junior. Yeah. Well, because that's a life-changing thing for a lot of people. That's I know a, a lot of dudes. for some people. And I'm sure you do. Yeah, that's it. That cancels out any plans of military work or anything like that, right? I know at least five dudes. Uh, that that happened. To I was gonna, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's always uh, and it's somebody else's fault, right? Like, well, yes and no, right? Because you can still do it. You can exactly. still go. Because uh, I joined it later in life, dude. I was twenty four, twenty five when I joined. Wow. So I was a little older. I had done a bunch of crazy shit as a teen, and then crazy shit as a twenty year old, <laughs> and then and then there I was, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it 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 just pays tribute to what you were saying. The discipline that you still had that goal from the age of twelve, and then that happened, right? And then you still push through. It's a life change. It's not a death sentence. Yeah. No matter what it is. Word. You know, I mean, just because something like that happens in your life doesn't mean you have to cancel all your dreams for the most part, right? Never say never, never it's say always. It's just new dreams, right? <laughs> yeah. You just but, modify. Um, yeah. So that's what it was. I mean, she got pregnant and literally even from the time, I remember, I'll never forget that day. You know, it's like um, she was coming to pick me up. I don't remember, even remember why, but she was coming to pick me up for, for school. We were both going to school. And um, she came over in the morning, and she just tossed a Ziploc bag full of three pregnancy tests, oh. threw it at me, and was just, it's tears in her eyes, crying, Jeez. I'm pregnant. And Wow. So how old were you first at thing the um, I was seven, 18. I was oh, 18. Wow. About to turn 19. Okay. I was a... I was um, one of the oldest dudes in the class, so I graduated high school like in May of 05, and I turned 19 like a month later. Late birthday, or you yeah. were a dum-dum or what? Late birthday. <laughs> I'm a summer baby, so I either would have been the earliest or the, the youngest dude in the class or the oldest. I guess my parents chose the oldest, or maybe I was kind of dumb as a kid. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I graduated and turned 19 shortly after, so I was I was freshly 18. Gotcha. Right at 18. And, um, yeah, she told me that, you know, she was pregnant, and I just remember her crying and sobbing. I just wrapped my arms around her and told her everything's going to be okay. Yeah. It'll be okay. And looking back now, you know, then, like, like that's all I knew to do. I, 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 I was shocked, yes, of course, but I didn't know what else. I didn't know how to, you know, I was just, yeah. uh, I don't know, but, like, it'll be okay. Looking back now, it's like I'm actually kind of proud of myself about how I handled that. You know, I've, Very cool. I've heard horror stories about how people are like, oh, we, we need to get rid of it or we need to. I just, from the very first words out of my mouth was, it's going to be okay. Nice. We're going to handle it, yeah. you know. And uh, we well, dude, talked that kind about of anchoring. I'm sure helped when you got onto uh, onto the teams, right? It did. Yeah, having that. Uh, I always felt more mature. I always felt. Um, well, dude, I you were dealt a, a dose of maturity pretty early. This is like stage <laughs> one in this podcast of like five things that happened to me throughout the path that just like made me who I am today. But that right. was that was definitely one of them. You know, her telling me that, that that she was pregnant and me realizing, okay, I'm still going to do this dream. I still have this dream. I can still do it and be a father and be a husband. Nice. It's just going to be a lot harder now. Yeah, just adding. Right, uh, just a few more steps, right, on the climb. Yeah, and which to what to uh, credit what what you said earlier, maybe it is good that I had such a good high school career, yeah. such a solid, like healthy, I don't know what you'd call it, high school career, like right, like no cops, no trouble, no alcohol, nothing like that. Because when the stuff that I had dumped on me as a senior, you know, moving on, um, it's uh, you know definitely I think paid tribute to that, you know, being able to. Um, I didn't have any other issues besides that. Because when you join the Navy, it's like, do you have any DUIs? Do you have any drinking issues? You've been arrested. You've all this stuff. Like, even, like, 
even like they're like STDs, like <laughs> right? you name it. They want to know everything, yeah. and they're gonna find out, right? It's a government yeah. entity, uh, so you might as well disclose. And the it. recruiters, I think, were shocked whenever they were asking me all the initial questions, like my initial little recruiter interview. Like, you know, they were all no's. You know, you've been you're, you've been arrested. You da 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 da. I'm like, yeah. nope, nope. They're like, oh my god, you're so clean. Last question. <laughs> You know, do you have a wife or do you have any kids? And I'm like, well, <laughs> yep. just got my girlfriend pregnant. <laughs> so they're like, oh, came crashing down, you know. <laughs> so in the, after that conversation with, with the recruiters and, and that uh, that array of no's and the one yes, uh, how long after that conversation did you did you end up joining uh, the Navy? It was about eight or nine months. I um, graduated. So then, you, did you went back and talk to them again, or was that the initial? It was a pretty long process. Okay. Um, I I talked, spoken with them quite a bit about yeah. everything, just because I'd gotten my quote, you know, high school girlfriend knocked up. So where I'm from, the family that I'm raised, how I'm raised, obviously, if you get your girl pregnant, you do the right thing. You be a man. You take care of her. You marry her. All that, you know. So I was definitely pushed to that. I was definitely, um, you know, told that that's that's what I had to do, kind of thing. And um, I think culture now, our society now, may be a little different. But at the time, you know, I uh, it was what it, it was the right thing to do, you know. And and looking back now, I don't regret it because we had a second daughter, and um, I wouldn't change that for the world. You know, both those girls are the air that I breathe. So that happened, awesome. and then I had graduated. She graduated early, obviously, because she was pregnant, and I got a job as a night stalker. <laughs> <laughs> I was at a grocery store. It's kind of a play on words, but I was at a grocery store, um, and I stocked the grocery store shelves overnight. So I graduated high school in May, started working shortly after that, and then I didn't leave until March the following year, or the you know about eight months or so later. So did that, and we just stayed married, uh, or actually about two weeks before I left for Navy boot camp. After I'd already you know been through the whole gauntlet with all the. Uh, the Navy recruiters and everything, and they got me waivers for you know having a, a pregnant girlfriend at 19 and and all that. And then two weeks before we left, we got uh, justice of the peace, married kind of thing, courthouse marriage. But it was it yeah. was in my house. And um, so yeah, that's that's how uh, how my Navy career started out with the with the two week. Literally, I I was day one in boot camp with the with the newlywed wife of two weeks, and she was pregnant at the time, and I was 19 years old. Wow. With this dream, lifelong dream of becoming a Navy SEAL that most people, I feel like, if, if that were to happen, or some people, not yeah. most, but some would think that, oh, my dreams are crushed. No, they're not. Yeah. You got to want it. Well, sometimes you know? we, we, we line up with the right people, and they help us achieve our goals, too, right? Absolutely. So we do have a lot of success individually, and, and I see it a lot all the time, and people tend to, you know, self-made this, and I did it all on my own. Like, honestly, there were people in the background helping you out. Absolutely. Even if you don't want to admit it, right? No, I wasn't by myself. Yeah, everything everything has, and that's what I love about the collective and the, the community that we've built. Like, we all just help each other get better, and then there's certain people in our lives that help us get better. And Because uh, she could have totally been like, fuck, you're not going. You're staying right. here. Um, or what if she'd have been there by herself? Yeah. I mean, I had an amazing mom and dad that, like, really took her in whenever I left and just made it work. Had it not been for my for my mom and dad, I probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, leave for boot camp and gone and, gone and done that, you know? Yeah, the support structures, man. Oh, it's always such a support system. Yeah. It's good to have that because it does... Uh, it eases certain things, right? Absolutely. Um, while you're moving around doing other stuff. Uh, all right, so... <laughs> going through SEAL training. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. <laughs> uh, I know you're itching uh, to, to let us in on that. Uh, but I do I do want to chit-chat uh, a little bit more on uh, 
early days Navy, right? So day one boot camp. Oof. Or what, what do you guys call it in the Navy? Is it boot camp boot still? Camp. Yeah. yeah. Navy boot camp. Uh, do, you, do you guys even wear boots? We do, actually. Because I mean, all of our big. listeners know Army stuff, uh-huh. but I don't think they know <laughs> Navy so, stuff. In the fleet, now there's multiple, so, so this is a common misconception, like if, if you're in the Navy, you're on a boat. That's probably half, you know, I mean, you've got... So half of the Navy's on boats. Probably. I mean, I don't know the exact percentage, <laughs> but shit, yeah. I mean, it's not like, like not everyone in the Navy is on a boat, yeah. you know, but that being said, to answer your question, big, thick, steel-toed, heavy, like, w- like worker type boots, not like you would think Army, Marine Corps, running combat military boots. Was it so that when you fall off the ship, you just sink to the bottom? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you get there. It's day one. I was there in Let's March. Go. Let's do it. It what? was freezing. Great Lakes? Um, Great Lakes. Oh, yeah. rough, Great Lakes, dude. Chicago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your neck of the woods? Yeah, Chicago, Up man. Up north, uh, what, like Waukegan, right? Yeah. That's uh, where Great Lakes is? Yeah, Waukegan. Uh, I think Gray's Lake is up that way, and then something else. There's another town. Uh, what's it called? North Chicago? Is that, does that yeah, sound well, there's like? Waukegan. There's a... Uh, Zion's nearby, too. There's, well, that's uh, just on the Wisconsin that, there's side. There's a, a town that I don't remember, but... Oh, there is. Because Great America's out there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like the only place you guys go have fun. <laughs> yeah, we'd be at Lee, or, or we'd get liberty and just like go to the mall and stuff. Like, yeah. there's like nothing, there's Gurney not Mills? Gurney was Gurney another Mills. one? Yeah. Yes. How do you remember that? <laughs> Dude, I yeah. know everything sometimes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, I know that area, and I love that area, and I, I really got to know <laughs> my neighborhoods. So yeah. even the suburbs, and I was running around. Uh, I had a girlfriend out in Gurney. I think that's the only reason I know that. <laughs> I remember that place, because that mall specifically, funny story little side note because i saw a 160 year old turtle there and i was like of all the places at this little bitty town in northern chicago <laughs> i see a turtle that they had at this little and it was like one of those like mall zoos you know i don't know that it was some like was Tiger it a King mall stuff zoo or on. was it the rainforest cafe when they still had animals it wasn't a rainforest cafe. No? i never knew rainforest cafe had animals. dude they had animals and they what? had like fish in the fish tank and then the somebody complained and they stopped having it oh wow yeah it's pretty long uh like, it's just one of those little lame. like walk through little like small i don't i, don't, I wouldn't qualify to it as like a zoo but they had this turtle there it's that like they a heavy said petting zoo like area it wasn't a petting zoo. It <laughs> no. was like Bonnie. It was kind of touch. Looking back, it was like glass and stuff, you know. But oh, okay. it was just like probably like five or six different animals, you know. I don't remember what they were like rabbits and it wasn't anything crazy except they had this big giant tortoise. And the tortoise had little holes in the shell. And they said that when they found it, they were like, oh, there's holes. It looks like gunshots, right? So that they, they dug it out and it was like, I don't know, lead ball yeah, bearing. Yeah, like, like shotgun pellets. And they dated it and it came back to like the Civil War. Whoa. Like the 1860s or something like that. Damn. Like, yeah, like this was over a hundred something year old like turtle. Like it was nuts. Fuck, the stories that turtle yeah. can tell. Lived to be, I don't you know, 2006 then. Damn. Like that's nuts. <laughs> but yeah, so um, it was cold. Getting back to, uh, you know, boot camp, right? So, so I show yeah, up. Early days, boot camp. Being cold, Big, giant fucking boots. Oh, and I mean, anyone that's that's in the Navy or been in the Navy can definitely laugh at this, but it's like, even if you're not cold, they're going to throw everything that you get issued on, you know? So you're like just wearing a beanie, a like robber, like whole you know, eye hole robber mask thing and a big scarf and these big clunky boots and this trench coat and a jacket and all this. I mean, it was March, you know, so it was it was still snowing. You know, and I'd never been up there before. I'd never been to Chicago. I didn't realize why it was called the Windy City. <laughs> I didn't know Originally from Texas, right? Yeah. yeah, so that's a big change. And at that man. time, I'd never really, I'd never really left Texas, I don't think. I'd been to like 
Cancun, I think, once, or like right. Cozumel or something like that. But I hadn't been anywhere really out of Texas. Hmm. And um, so that was my first time. And, it, I mean, man, it was cold. I remember being so – that's probably the coldest I've ever been at that time. You know, <laughs> yeah. I was just like, man, this is cold, you know. That's March, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, January's rough up no there. No joke. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So how long did you have to wear that white outfit that you guys wear early – the little Navy. scarf and stuff like that? Yeah, with like the flap on the back that looks like a backwards bib. Oh, those are just whites. <laughs> oh, are they? Oh, okay. That's <laughs> I was not wearing that in 2014. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> when I left the Navy, oh. we were still wearing those. Jeez. But yeah, it's just the dress whites, dress blues. So you know, so how was it, right? So let's, let's, let's paint this picture for young recruits getting signed up and just a quick what what they should expect based on what you experience right because every every experience is independent to the individual so and that's why we like sharing the stories because though the the general atmosphere is going to be the same right everybody experiences the same general stuff but Absolutely. everything is taken personally so everybody yep. has a different perspective and sees mm-hmm. it differently uh how was that for you uh, and just explain it kind of the way you would if if some young kid and this is for them. This is for you young young folks out there, people who are just waiting and deciding if you're joining, uh, what to expect if you join the freaking Navy. So actually, this is a really good question for me because I have a really uh, very, very close friend of mine. He just joined the Navy, and um, so I had dealt, dealt with a lot of questions, and I've had questions throughout the years of, like, you know, how is boot camp? Everyone wor- always worries about boot camp. I mean, boot camp's like two and a half months long. Right, I sure. think Navy boot camp's like eight weeks. It's like two yeah. months. You know, and what I tell people is, like, don't think that that's how the military, like, like that's just boot camp. Yeah. Whether it's Army, Navy, Marine Corps, like, like that's just boot camp. That's yeah. not how it's going to be forever. You're not going to have to request permission to, you know, go pee and, like, you have to fold your clothes and fold 45s on your bed. Like, that's just boot camp, <laughs> you know. And um, so for me, like, hope for the best, plan for the worst. I absolutely hated boot camp. I actually got out of shape when I went to boot camp. I was in worse shape when I left boot camp than when I whenever I showed up. Jeez. Uh, but then again, I mean, me doing, you know, wanted wanting to do what I wanted to do, obviously I showed up extremely fit. And uh, they had had, like, the dive motivator program. I think back then, um, now when you join the Navy to be a SEAL, you go through boot camp, and then you go straight from boot camp into your, essentially, SEAL selection process. And, uh, you know, for me, you had to go through A school then. So that was before they had the actual SEAL designation. So now you're just, like, SO2, SO1, which is your special operator. So you special had to go through rate. an MOS training prior to all that, right? Prior to everything. Kind of like the 11 programs. Exactly. Yeah, 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 the X-ray program. Yep, so I was an engine man. I'd, I'd been designated uh, as an engine man, and I didn't care because when I was in, in MAPS, I was like, Psh, I want to make it the first time. I don't I don't care what my job is because <laughs> yeah. it don't matter because I'm making it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little did I know I'd break both my legs, and I wouldn't make it the oh, first time. Oh, rough. But we'll That's get another that. story. We'll be there. Yeah. We'll be there soon, folks. But so boot camp was cold, and I just tell people, whether you have fun in boot camp or you hate it, it doesn't matter. It's only eight weeks. Just yeah. gut it out. Just get through it. And wh- whether you want to be a SEAL or you want to be an engine man or whatever it is you want to do, just get through boot camp, get through your A school, and then get to the regular military. It's a lot different. It's not – don't be afraid of eight weeks of potentially a 20-year career. You know, it's only eight weeks. Like, yeah. It's not – you know. So stay present and be in the moment is, is what I'm getting. Uh, Enjoy it. In, yeah, in my words, the way I'll translate it, just in case uh, – uh, you guys were not paying attention. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of the experience that I was saying. Uh, go through it. Stay present. Enjoy what you're getting. Uh, you're going to learn stuff, right? You're going to learn stuff Absolutely. that you're going to forget you learned and then go back and be like, shit, I could have done way better had I been more present, had I not been waiting to graduate, or had I not been waiting to go to 
uh, tech school or whatever you guys do. Uh, and you were more like, yeah, I'm here right now. This is what I should focus on. This is what I should do. This is this is how I should be uh, performing and doing things. Because uh, that was my experience, man. I got into it. If it was uh, range weeks or if it was ruck weeks, if it, whatever week it was, that's all I thought about for that week or that mm-hmm. day. I didn't worry about next week. I didn't worry about graduation. I was just like zoned into the days that I was there. It could have been that I was a little older maybe. Uh, but I was just in it. I was like, today's this day. This is what's on the books for today. Boom. This is what we're doing. I don't care about anything else but what's happening today. Uh, so, so stay present. It sounds exactly what you're saying, you know, focus in on what you're doing right now and then you're going to go do something cooler anyway. So get a little bit of this and then it's time to move into something else. Right. And I always had that in the back of my mind. Like some people I think don't think about that enough maybe, but I knew that I was going on to bigger, better things. I knew that I was going on to um, a much, much more difficult training. So I maybe that played a part in that where I was like, this is easy. I got, I'm getting out of shape here, you know, but I still, I still was present and took it for what it's worth. And I knew that this wasn't how it was really going to be. I think some people kind of fear that they think, Oh, like I can't do the military because you can't do boot camp. Like that's not the military. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just to train you to change your, to rewire your brain, to be able to operate in a big group, like in the military, no matter what, what branch you learn. And then a, you know, of course, there's the attention to detail. You have to learn yeah. how to take orders. Like, yeah. There's all that, you know, stuff, which is in every boot camp, you know, but. Um, For sure, because it's yeah. the breakdown, right? Absolutely. And it's not like this, oh, we're going to break you down and build you back up. That's not really what's happening. What they're doing is they're they're teaching you how to play your role, how to be in the, the rank picture. that you are, in the profession that you're learning, in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things. Because, so yeah, you get treated like shit as a private. And I went in as an E1, dude, like dirt, fucking dragging little guy. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know, man. I didn't know all the cool shit that I could have had. Um, so now when I tell people, I tell them, hey, man, try to get everything you can. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, early. That helps, uh, man. It does. I remember I got two or three people to join, and now for the life of me, I can't even remember who they were. I think just guys that were in my high school graduating class with me. Because my recruiter was like, hey, man, if you can get three people to join, you'll oh, go you into boot camp as an E3. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so you know me, Mr. Dudley Do-Right in high school. Yeah. You know, well, there's so dudes that were saying that. I, I was got like, three people to join, and I went in as an E3. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, if I had to give anyone that advice, like whether it's worth it or not, it is. If you got to write a big paper or essay or get someone else to join or recruit or, you know, drink the Kool-Aid or whatever you got to do to get E2, E3, I mean, it is worth yeah. it. Because it'll knock six months, you know, to yeah. a year off of your your advancement time. Yeah. You know, so. And I think what, what gets overlooked a lot, and, and I remember this as a drill, was when they're teaching you how to deal with people and how to deal with these recruits, right, per rank. Each time you get promoted, each time you get a little, I'll just say level up for, you know, mm-hmm. whatever uh, purpose of, of the, the listener. Uh, so you're leveling up or you're, you're getting a new rank. At that new rank, you're being taught how to be better every single rank. So though it may be shitty to join initially and everybody's crushing you and you're the fucking lowest man uh, on everything and you're just useless, right? Uh, Every time you get a rank, you're going up and people are teaching you how to be better in that rank and more responsibilities bestowed upon you. And then you go to another rank and you learn more stuff. And every time you rank up until the point where you're running your own platoons and you're doing a lot bigger things where you're managing people, you're being taught how to do all that. 
So though it may seem incremental at first and guys get turned off by the military initially because it's hard and people are yelling at you, look, dude, we all get it. We all went through this now. And what it is is it's just teaching you to be better for the next rank. So it's teaching you either how to be a better uh, leader or what not to do as a leader, right? Because we've all had bouts oh. of bad leadership, man. Uh, that's the big ass reason why I got out, uh, and and that's just like, what that's just what it is. Like, uh, though it may seem hard, it's all part of the program. The army and I, all military branches have a beautiful way of building people up uh, their own way, right? Absolutely. And you know, whenever you rank up, what else is it doing? You know, it's teaching you how to teach someone else how to do what you just learned how to do. So you're always learning, you always want, and this is a good piece of advice for, for people, whether you want to go SF or not, is you want to always know the job of the man that's above you and be able to show the man below you your job. And he needs to know you're, you're constantly teaching him, constantly teaching him, while also constantly learning from the guy that's above you. Yep. And so you can always go back and teach that. And one, you're building lessons, you're building memories, and that's something to kind of somewhat back to boot camp and like, you know, A school and all that, or your you know MOS training, is that... You're going to create memories and relationships that you will remember for the rest of your life. You will never forget certain friends. And so, I mean, I've, I, I have guys still that I'm friends with that I went through like A school and stuff with. I have people that I still talk to on a weekly basis that I was in A school with when I was 19 years old, 20 years old. I'm almost 34. And I'm still friends with them. Very, very close friends. You know, so you're going to create all those memories and relationships. And, um, you know, with rank, you know, learning those things and then being able to teach one that's making you a better leader because you're teaching people, but you're also learning the job above you. Yeah. You know, and that's very, very important, especially in the, uh, in the SF community is knowing the guy's job above you or in the military in general, really, yeah. you know, knowing the job that that's above you and also being able to teach the, your job to the man below you. Right. On. Or woman. I mean, that, those are just good leadership traits in general, man. And I, and I say this all the time at classes, like I want people to eventually be better than I am so that they don't need me. Absolutely. Like be that good that now you've Work surpassed me. A job. Like, <laughs> dude, and I'll do it. I'll, I'll be a happy little little Mexican dude making tacos somewhere, you know what I mean, if I have to. Uh, I have no problem with that as long as people are achieving their goals, man. And that's what I really love about Fieldcraft and, and, and the guys in it, Mike, Kev, everybody in it, uh, is that that's our goal, Big George, man. Shout out, brother. Uh, is that we just want people to be better. It's that easy, man. Uh, people think it's a lot more complicated, and it really isn't. And it truly just stems from how every one of us has, has been in a leadership role. And that's just what it is, man. Our whole design is to make people better. I love that. You know, whether it's field craft or it's the military or it's boot camp or it's SF training or suction or whatever it is you're doing. One of the things I think that they give me the most pride is that, and you, we'd kind of touched on it earlier about boot camp and, you know, considering a field craft even, is that it gives you the pride that it really shows you how small you are. I feel personally, it showed me how small I really am and how sacrifice and service and duty and all that stuff plays such a big role. And it's honestly made me who I am today in that, you know, this isn't all just about me. Like I'm a part of the bigger picture and to really be able to put your small self below something that is more important than yourself. That's, that really is, if I had to put in one sentence, you know, service to your country, whether you're serving the military today or whether you're a Spartan, you know, thousands of years ago, it's like you're serving something greater than yourself. And that was probably always one of my biggest callings as a small, small kid is like, I want to serve something bigger than me. Nice. I want to serve something greater than me. I, I want to help, help the weak, you know, and that's, yeah, I feel like that's what, you know, Philcraft does. That's what the military does. It's always serving 
it, it's it's service, it's duty, it's sacrifice to the bigger picture. What's what, what's more important than me? Yeah, and it is, man. It's it's the purpose behind it all, right? We all picked up great information, uh, trained by some of the best people in some of the best places, right? And now we're able to give it back, and that's really the really cool thing. Like when I hear Kevin talk about long range stuff, I'm like, this dude picked up some phenomenal (laughs) stuff, and now he's just dumping it on people. It's gold, epic. Uh, So. It's just crazy, man. If if people are sitting there and they don't want to physically train, I encourage you, go get some of this stuff. It's really great. Even we get excited. I'm excited now for tomorrow, and Kevin's doing everything tomorrow. I mean, we're there to help, obviously, <laughs> but I'm just going to absorb as much as I can, Absolutely. And, and that's just what it is, right? All right, so we've, we've kind of like derailed and went somewhere else with this whole <laughs> thing. So we're, we're at basic. You're, you're done with the eight weeks. What yep. comes next? Next is uh, Beck, which is Basic Engineering Common Core. So it's uh, about four or five months of engineering school. So learning how to basically learning how to be on a Navy ship and how to firefight. Because as an engine man, you're going to a ship, you're going to a boat. You know, there's CBs, they don't go to boats. You can be in the you know aircraft world, like an aircraft mechanic. You might go to a boat, possibly, probably, um, but not always. But as an engine man. Your ass is going to a boat. <laughs> so you learn how to firefight. You learn how to shipboard stuff. You know, so all that engineering shipboard stuff is what I did. So we're there, and now you've went through that, right? Mm-hmm. Then what? How long before you get to go and do do the dream? So that was right after that. And, of course, I get full benefit. So I showed up to BUDS. I checked into Class 263. In Coronado, I want to say it was like in November, October, November is when I checked in, and then I, I act, and then I classed up sometime in like early December. Maybe it was a little bit before that, but I remember it was a winter class. I remember um, I went through all all through first phase winter class, and that was cold. That was the, thus point. That was the coldest that I'd ever been, you know. And um, so I showed up How from. Do you, what do you mean by cold? Like how cold? You would think Southern California doesn't get that cold. People yeah. think, oh, it's not that cold. It's not that bad. You're in Southern California. Well, when you're in the water, you know, Buds has a very quick way of showing you, like, you know, how weak you actually are, <laughs> how cold you can actually be, you know. And um, I thought I'd been cold, you know, playing rugby in little short shorts in, in the winter, you know, in 20 degrees. But it's a whole different world when you're wet. <laughs> when you're soaking wet, that's a whole different world than when you're dry and cold. You know, so now it's funny taking that lesson as a man. It's like anytime – you know, someone's ever like, oh, it's so cold. I'm like, at least we're dry. <laughs> like, it could always be worse. Yeah. We could be soaking wet, you know. So, yeah, just, you know, going through that, that that was awesome. I mean, 263 was, was a great class. That was really cool. I had a, you know, had a great time with that. But I guess from the knees down, I had a weak jeans. So I started to develop stress fractures in my tibia, fibias in both legs, Ouch. which most, you know, which a lot of guys get. That wasn't the issue. The issue was uh, night rock portage. I want to say it was the second week of uh, first phase after we'd already classed up. We were doing night rock portage down uh, down in front of Hotel Dell for everyone that's been there. You know what that is. And um, I'd gotten thrown from the boat. And every white shirt, so white shirt in Navy SEAL training is pre-Hell Week. Once you get through Hell Week, you get your brown shirt, and then you're the brown shirt. So it's like, oh, how long cool. are you? How long are you in the in the white shirts? Um, you're a, you're a white shirt, so Hell Week is, and and it goes back and forth from class from you know era to era. But um, I believe my Hell Week was a fourth or fifth week. It might have been the fifth week. So we were white shirts for about a month through um, 
you know, halfway through first phase. You know, Bud's is six months. There's three phases. Each phase is two months. And then you're a white shirt half of first phase. So about a month. And you go through Hell Week, and then you get your brown shirt. What was all the stuff prior to getting uh, into the Bud's class? Um, in doc. So you do all your testing. Well, whenever I went through, we did all our testing in, uh, in like, boot camp and in A school. You kind of did all your – Basically, you're trying out to even go to selection. Gotcha. Yeah, that's kind of what I was like. Yeah. Yeah, fill me in on that so that we know exactly the, the process on how So that. it's all different now, but back then, you told your recruiter that you wanted to be a SEAL, and then they laugh at you every time, and then they put you through the SEAL PFT, and then you get put into like a dive motivator class, right, where you have uh, people motivating you or you know telling you basically this is what you have to do physically to get accepted into selection, right? So that same pipeline carries on all the way through boot camp and into A school. You know, you get to leave twice a week. Whenever I was in boot camp, I'd wake up like at 4 o'clock, 4 a.m. before everyone else, like me and four or five other guys in my class. Because now the boot camp classes are all divided into special forces, like boot camp classes. Yeah. So everyone in your class is going to either like SWIC, SEAL, EOD, something like that. Yeah. Oh, so not like when you went, where it was when I went, just like, there was two being or three, like three or four maybe. other guys. Okay. So now they're all divided that way in the, into yeah. the direction, into the pipeline it's that a, they're going. It's, it's much, much better now. Okay. So when I, whenever I went through, it was all just like a regular boot camp class, people that were going to the regular Navy, but there was myself and like four or five other guys that wanted to go, you know, uh, we wanted to go special programs. Yeah. Like I think I was the only um, SEAL wannabe, and there was a couple like SWIC wannabes, and there was a couple EOD guys, <laughs> and we'd go like twice a week. We'd wake up like at 4 a.m. and go work out with, there were like two um, SEALs that were stationed there, and that that was probably one of the first active, I think that was, that was the first time I'd ever seen like an active duty Navy SEAL. I'm like, oh my God, they're <laughs> Navy SEALs. That's so cool, you know? And um, so you train twice a week there, and, and it's it's a little, like, selection. Like, you just get beat down pretty much, and you run and swim and, you know, do calisthenics and stuff. And they basically just make it suck for about an hour. Then you go back to your normal boot camp class when they're just not waking up, and you just carry on the rest of the day with, with them. them. Yeah. And then that carries on also through A school, kind of. It somewhat did. Um, but a lot of it's just training, you know, on your own, knowing that, hey, I've got five or six months here in A school, and i got to go be in buds. I, I check in and yeah. – they expect me to be at a high standard, so right. like, I have to kind of work out on my own time. Boot camp may make you, but in like A school, so luckily I had time, so I got to run and swim and work out in my off time in A school. So when I check in to Buds, I checked in, like I said, I want to say it was in December sometime. I think we had like Christmas stand down, so I, I kind of got to work out there a little bit, but then you you have in-doc. So they're basically prepping you, teaching you all the commands and how you drop down and do push-up, but basically teaching you how to be a Bud student. Yeah. That was, I don't know, four or five, three or four weeks. And then you start first phase. So fast forward, I'm in first phase. I'm, I want to say I'm in uh, the second week, and which is like a week or two before, probably about two weeks before Hell Week starts. So that's all I'm thinking about, right, is Hell Week. Hell Week, yeah. like I have to pass this day, you know, just make it to lunch, make it to dinner, make it to breakfast, make it, you know, every day, knowing, though, that, that Hell Week is, that's the big culmination of, like, first phase. So... It was, I want to say it's like Wednesday night of the second week of first phase. I'd already phased up. You know, we were doing runs, swims, O-course, you know, getting beat down, all, all that fun stuff. Log PTs, boats, you know, awesome. Boats on heads. I actually loved that, to be honest. Um, that was cool. It hurt. That's probably why I liked it because, again, I wasn't the most talented person, but I'm hard. So I think a lot of uh, guys hated boats. I hated it. It did suck, but it was fun because it was like, this is where I, I'm going to beat people. This is where I'm going to show my worth. Nice. This is where people are gonna be like, damn, like, like Colt's good to go. Like I'm just gonna be hard. I'm just yeah. gonna take it on the chin and be tough. <laughs> you know, I'm not super fast or super strong, but I'll be tough. You know, so um, 
So I got thrown from a boat, though, uh, Wednesday night, Rock Portage, and I, uh, I hit a rock, and I came down on my right leg, and I actually heard a little pop in my right leg. But if So for anyone that's been through Bud's training, whether you completed it or not, everyone knows that as a white shirt, the last thing you want to do is go to an instructor and say that you think you're hurt. You yeah. know, oh, you big d- d- effing da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, like yeah, yeah. you'll just hear it, like, oh, oh, you're weak, you know, and any like that's just man code right <laughs> right so <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna say anything i was like i'm gonna limp this through you know but you know again hindsight's 2020 i should have gone to medical and like, hey i think something you know i ran on it for two weeks damn made it worse and it hurt and it got yeah. really it just got worse and worse and worse and um i ran on it for about two weeks so the neck the the i want to say it was the fifth week we were classing up for hell week and hell week started like you know like basically sun, um, sunday was whenever we would go in like Sunday afternoon or so is when we had to report officially. Well, that prior, the weekend prior to that, we did med checks. I want to say Thursday or Friday, basically to go in and check guys to make sure that you're safe and healthy to eat, to even start Hell Week. Probably meant to weed out dudes like me that were hiding shit. <laughs> you know, like yeah. guys that have injuries that aren't that aren't trying to say anything because I mean that's not good for anybody. You know, no. Of course so they uh, took me into medical and actually I, th- I think right before that I'd failed my first first. First evolution that I had failed was a four mile timed run, and I hadn't failed any prior. And it wasn't like a, I didn't fail by like a minute. I failed by like ten minutes. And that it was, was real because bad. of this this leg issue. Yeah, with okay. the leg issue. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know what was on what was going on. I mean, my knees were swollen, my legs were all swollen. I had a lot of inflammation, and it just it hurt like you know, on my, on my level, like a one to ten. I mean, it was like a nine or ten. Like it should hurt. Damn. You know, and um, so. The entire time on the run, the instructor's like, man, you better pray to effing God that you're freaking hurt. Because if you're not, I'm going <laughs> to nail you. I'm going to hammer you. You're going to want it. Like, all this stuff, you know. I'm just like, I'm sorry, you know. I'm just trying to run. I'm, I'm like hobbling along as fast as I can, you know. Yeah. And it was a horrible, horrible time. Like I know that the the pre-Hell Week first phase four-mile run time is like, I want to say it's like 32 minutes. I was at like 40-something. I mean, it, it was bad, bad. And um, I'd never even felt a run. So that was, you know, that was pretty depressing for me. Well, they took me to medical. Um, I had a broken right femur and a left and right tibia and fibia fracture. Yeah. So I had five broken bones. Both my legs were broken, essentially. So I came out, and that, that instructor, um, he was like, well, both your legs are broken. You're fucking lucky. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, beat it. I'm He's like, like, all that shit you yeah. were crying about, at least it was real. <laughs> right? Like, he wasn't even nice at, you know, nice at all. He was just like, beat it. You're yeah. good. I'm like, all right. Like, you're not full of shit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're, you're, the biggest bone in your body is broken. You're good. I was like, all right. So I got rolled. But back then, at that time, they weren't rolling guys more than like one class or whatever. And the docs, I, the docs knew that. And um, for, Two broken legs. It's gonna take longer, and I think like I was supposed to do. I was due to class up in like a month and a half, like two months. Like it wasn't very long. And the docs were like, "Well, we can't roll you more than one class. You have to start in two months." But I'll tell you right now, your legs aren't gonna be healed by then. What do you say? I was a 19 year old kid with a baby on the way, and I'm yeah. like, "Well, I want to be Navy SEAL. I have since I was eight. Like I ain't fucking quitting." So, all right, who ya? Let's start. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. Um, I'll make it somehow. Dumb. Um, I started and I like, the first four mile time run I barely passed and then the second one I failed third one I failed you know I eventually um, started failing evolutions they took me back in X-rayed me again legs were still broken like Jeez. well your legs aren't healed you know and um, you know you failed some things you know obviously it's because of your medical con- you know issue and um, I'm not afraid to say it now but the day that uh, that I went and saw the doctor that they did the X-rays and he talked to me he said that he's gonna recommend drop. Med drop, and I literally sat there and cried. 
Damn. Right in front of him, and I felt like oh, a little girl, yeah. you know. But I'm like, dude, it's a lifelong dream. Like, I didn't know if I was gonna get to come back or not. Yeah. Like, dude, my dream's crushed. Yeah. You know, so I was sitting there crying, like a you know, damn near grown man. And he's like, you have no idea how many guys leave here with broken legs. He's like, you're fine. I'm gonna recommend that you can come back in 12 months as soon as your legs healed. I'll put it in. Uh, I'll I'll write on your deal. You know, recommendation to return. <laughs> you yeah. know, so um, I got sent to the fleet, man. I went to uh, as an you know, and so revert back. I had that A school, right? I was yeah. an engineer that I never thought I would do, and then I go back. Uh, I went to a ship, man. I went Hayes Gray underway. I went to a uh, to the um, DDG uh, sixty five, the USS Benfold in San Diego, and I was there for thirteen months. And uh, when I showed up, they told me I was going to have to be there for three years. That I had to do a full rotation. So, um, yeah, man, it sucked, you know, and. Uh, that was whenever I decided, I was like, well, I have a wife at home. You know, I think she was still pregnant at the time. No, I'm sorry. She didn't. She she had actually had our daughter by that time. Mm-hmm. So she had our had our baby. I actually had flown home um, once at the, by that point to, um, you know, to uh, see her. Um, Hallie, she's almost 14. She'll be 14 next month. Damn. It's crazy. Yeah. Kid. So we're kind of, we're, we're, we're touching back in the roots right now. But, um, so yeah, she, uh, I was like, well, you guys should move out to San Diego now. I mean, I'm going to be on a ship now, right? Like I'm a normal Navy person. I'm, I'm stationed here. I'm, I'm at a regular command. I'm not at a training command. Like you might as well move out here. Let's, let's get a house and live life, you know, and hopefully I'll be able to go back to buds. So how long, how long did you have to stay? Stay where? As an engine man. I was there 13 months 13 on months. the ship. And then you got r- you went right back to Bud's? Yep, so that's actually a really cool story. Uh, Andy Stump, who actually is friends with uh, Fieldcraft. Nice. Um, if, it went for, if it wasn't for Andy Stump, I don't know if I ever would have gotten to accomplish my dream. Right so on. if you're listening to Andy, man, thank you. <laughs> Brother, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Him and uh, Master Chief Tushin. So those two, um, those two really uh, did something that they didn't have to do for me, and they're the reasons that I got back to Bud's so quick because the ship wanted to keep me for like three or four years. They wanted me to do like two deployments and stay there. And yeah, they, well, that's they, why they I asked, man, because I was like, whoa, this sounds like this is derailing yeah. you hard. And, and it didn't, right? So 13 months, you're at Bud's, time to go again, right? Legs have healed, everything's good to go. Well, no. So I was about to get um, shipped off for a uh, for a ship deployment as an engineer. And I'd already been there like, I think, seven or eight months. And it was absolutely horrible. You know, we, we did a couple of little trips, whatever, you know, but they wanted me to do a Westpac. And now looking back, I'm glad that I did. But at the time, I was like, "Oh, screw that! I'm better than this." I was, you know, like, oh, I'm, you know, typical young twenty year old. You know, I was like, "I don't want to go on a deployment. I just want to go to Buds and be a SEAL. Screw all you guys!" You know, <laughs> you know? total wrong mindset. You know, I should have went there and just crushed it. But then maybe they wanted, to, maybe then they would have wanted to keep me more. You know, who knows? So, right. so of course, I had made friends with. Um, when I say friends, not not friends. I use that term very loosely. But I had made acquaintances with Andy Stump because he was the owner of uh, CrossFit Coronado at the time and I'd been working out there and training there so when they wanted me to go on deployment I hit up Andy Stump and I was like hey man you know we we hadn't really talked too much you know and I knew that he was a SEAL I knew he was an instructor so I kind of kept my distance I didn't I didn't want to cross that barrier you know so but I hit him up and by the grace of God man Andy jumped in and he I don't know emailed or called or something he got a hold of Master Chief Tushin who was the SEAL detailer in Millington Tennessee wrote me orders I'd by that time, I'd already been deployed. I was on a Westpac. We were in Bahrain or Dubai somewhere. I think Bahrain. We had been in, I'd done like a, by that time, I was already five months through the deployment. I was already about ready to turn around and come home. And um, they flew me off. So Master Chief Tushin wrote, wrote me orders to uh, Class 275. 
And um, I had got a, the horse came through while I was deployed. And I was checking it every day, you know, because Andy had already, you know, he shot me a uh, you know email back. He was like, hey, brother, um, you know, he's writing your orders right now. I don't know how long it's going to be kind of thing. It was kind of vague. So I was just like checking my, um, I don't know what it's called now. I've been out five years. But I was checking the uh, system, you know, every day to see if my orders came through. And they finally came through when I was nice. in Bahrain. Okay. And, um, yeah, they came and picked me up from the ship. I'll never remember that or never forget that day either. Got flown off the ship, got picked up and taken to the, the airport, put on a plane, and sent back to Chicago again. <laughs> By that time, they had pre-buds. Okay. So I uh, went to pre-buds in Chicago for a few weeks and then checked in with Class 275 in Coronado. Yeah. My second time at buds, round two. So so now you're there. It's round two. You're good to go. Legs are better now, right? They're healed. Okay. And it's a winter class again. Yeah. <laughs> Full benefit. You and the winter classes, dude. I mean, it's, it kind of uh, worked wet out. Wet and cold, right? Wet and cold. Wet and cold. Uh, and so... That was my strength, man, being hard, being tough. Yeah. You know? so I wouldn't count it Yeah, for sure. Um, except so. now, because now, yesterday, when we were on the range, <laughs> that was cold, man. Uh, that was cold. I haven't been that cold in a while. We're, we're no wimps here at Fieldcraft Survival, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yesterday on the range, I think it was like 32 degrees, cloudy with some cold mist. And a little wet. And a little wet. Though we enjoy training in the rain it was fun. and the cold. It, it's just, after the fact, you can tell the story of how miserable it was, even though it was a lot of fun during. Uh, Kansas City finest. Yeah. We had a lot of good uh, Kansas City officers hanging out with us. Um, and I get yelled at because I say kansas and they're like we're missouri i'm like holy shit don't bite my head off like I, i'm not from here so i didn't realize how serious you guys or how seriously like you guys take border. that um my bad uh for uh, for you guys out there listening uh hopefully we didn't offend you uh so yeah so so round two you get through and so what happens once you pass everything so that's actually i had a really tough road so like, like my story really is i think good for people that aren't naturally talented or strong or that maybe have, I don't say fear, but maybe doubts of like, you know, negotiating the entire training. I would love to sit here and say, I'm a first time every time guy. I'm a stud physically. I went through, had no issues. I'm a, you know, first time every time is you pass everything without any issues. Yeah. Right. And they, there are those guys. There are For some sure. dudes out there that are just like Greek gods. And it's like, how, <laughs> like what, you know, they're like demigods, right? That ain't me. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that is not me. So this time through, 275, I uh, in Hell Week this time, actually, I, I, I want to say it was Tuesday or Wednesday of Hell Week. Um, it was at nighttime. I don't know if it was Rock Portage again. It may have been an overuse thing, but I stress fractured my right tibia amphibia this time. Jeez. So I'm just like, so, so at this point, I'm like 21, I think, now, and I'm just like, you know what? I just have weak genes. <laughs> like, that's oh, just me. That's Thanks so me young, that. dude. <laughs> like, that's a young age to deal with so much shit. Oh, man, uh, I've been through so much stacked. already. Yeah, stacked on top. The ship top. was horrible, you know, so I, I'd already had. Oh, you had a bad a bad deployment? I hated it. Oof. I just, no, I didn't get in trouble or anything. No, I don't know, like, yeah, just. You know, I, I didn't have any issues um, or disciplinary things or anything. I, I, I just, I was just miserable. It's not what I wanted to do. Like I, I spent my whole life wanting to be a seal, and now I'm on a boat being an engine man. I don't even know how. To, I don't know how to work on engines. Like I can, I can, I can <laughs> physically tell that it upsets you to talk about it. <laughs> but so go back. But stress fractures, right? The second time at buds, though, being on that ship made me. I think that played a huge factor in me making yeah. it through. You're it like, like, I'm not going back. I am to that not shit. going back to the fleet. Nice. Not happening. Plus, hey, I have. Man. You learn right one yep. way or the other. My wife, just to touch base real quick. My wife. At the time, she'd gotten pregnant while I was on the boat, like while I was stationed there. Yeah, yeah. So now we had two kids. So I'm at Bud's the second time. Winter first, you know, winter first phase again. 
Um, I had already broken my legs and got sent home from Buzz the first time. I had two kids. I had a wife. I was been on the ship. Like I had all the reason in, in the world not to quit, not to you know get hurt or 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 not finish that course, you know. So, so yeah. So I had had started with two seven five, was in Hell Week, broke my right uh, tibia fibia, and I remember them telling me, "Well, you can either quit or keep going." Or not, you know, I think it was like Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, something like that. At least they gave you an option, not like the first time, right? Well, yeah. (laughs) The first time, they're like, no, we're going to drop you. I'm like, "Uh, okay. You know, but this time, I want to say, like, if you get to Thursday, they'll roll you forward, but I never wanted to be rolled forward. I don't, I don't want to be known for that. Like, I'm not the guy, you know, I want to finish Hell Week. So, but it it was Wednesday, so that wasn't even an option, you know, anyways. Like, well, you can quit or you can keep going. I'm like, well, you, you you know, my answer. I'm like, yeah, I'll get back in line. I'm like, yeah, yeah." (laughs) you know, so. Get back, you know, go get back underneath the boat. So I finished up Hell Week and then got rolled. I want to say a week after Hell Week for a, a right broken leg, and um, got rolled. Class back up with two. That's such a crazy story. I wish I was a first time every time, but again, I get full benefit in every aspect of my life. <laughs> so yeah. got rolled to two seven seven, and then made it made it made it all the way through Buds and got into um, SQT, which is still qualification training. That's like Buds 2. Mm-hmm. Um, got into that with 277. And then in jump school, which is the very first part of SQT, I got swine flu. Jeez, it's funny because we're going through COVID-19 yeah. right now, which is, you know, <laughs> not the same thing at all. But yeah, it's a really, really bad virus, you right. know. So I got swine flu. I got quarantined for 15 days, got rolled from 277, got put in class 279, ended up graduating all the way through SQT and became a SEAL yeah. with 279. But... By that point, Dude. I had been in the Navy like three years, three and a half years or something like that. And I'd been through two BUDS classes, you know, got rolled in SQT for swine flu. Yeah. And so when I graduated, it had been a long road. And I'm like, man, it took me f- damn near four years to become a SEAL, <laughs> you know? Dude, you wanted but it, though. Other dudes would have just quit, bounced man. and not yeah. stayed through and seen it through. And so that's actually really cool, man. I, I yeah. think that's great that you just kept freaking going. People say that, you know, if I've heard the quote before, if you say that you never thought about quitting, you're a liar. I never did, man. Nice. Truth. All my life, I never once thought about quitting. Yeah. I thought about maybe I won't make it through because of, like, you know, I might fail something or medical conditions. I won't make it, but I never thought about quitting. Not right. once. Yeah, like internally yeah. you were like, fuck, uh, no, it's it going. It's eight gone. years old. Like my entire life, it's all yeah. I wanted to do. Right on. You know, so. So, now, so now you're you're a SEAL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how do you go to teams once you go through, through BUDS and, and selection and all that other stuff? Okay, so how that works, and this is another, I just got story after story, man. So <laughs> when you're, I want to say it's in third phase, when you're still in buds, you can put, they have you write a dream sheet. So you basically get three options, three choices, where if you got to pick, where would you want to go? Okay. All three of mine were, were 18 Delta, which is which is Medic, 18 Delta, West Coast. And it was like, I think I did like Team 1, Team 3, Team 5, like I didn't care, it's West Coast. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have any brothers or hookups or anything like that on the West Coast. I just knew that my personality, my type of, I'm a real chill, down to earth person. Like I, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an uptight person, you know. So I just knew, and I always loved like the whole surfing culture, West Coast culture. I just liked it. So I put uh, 18 Delta and West Coast on, on all three of my choices. And then I had a guy that I went through high school with actually that went to Buds with me. I didn't touch on that, but um, Jacob Fuller. He was in. Uh, he was a year behind me in high school, but he had went through, and he was in. I want to say he was in two six three. He because he didn't have he didn't have a school. So by the time we had gotten to buds the first time, we were in, we were in the same buds class. Okay. When I got med dropped, he made it through. Oh. He went to the East Coast. So he, he was the one class before, the one you graduated from. He graduated class. I want to say he graduated class two six three. 
Okay. But he, yeah, my first time at Buds, we were in the same Buds class. Gotcha. Okay. And then yeah, when I got yeah. rolled and dropped, he on just kept going. He just kept going. Okay. And he graduated. And he's on the East Coast, you said, or he, he got he got put on the East yeah. Coast. But see, he's a Texas guy, so am I. But I'm not yeah. a typical Texas guy, like hunting, fishing, his redneck. <laughs> like that's not me. I'm the, again, I'm the chill West yeah, Coast sunset hey, lotion bro, and fucking type, hair gel, dude. Type, yeah, hair typical. gel, you know, Hollywood type, <laughs> type guy, you know. Not really, but. Well, he was very Texan, so you know. Of course, he went. You know, he went East Coast. Well, I'm an SQT, and he's like, "Hey, man, I love it out here." I just got back from sniper school. I'm at Team Two, bro. It's so sick. They're like, "East Coast is awesome." I just bought a house. You can room with me. You gotta change your shit. Come out here. Oh no. He convinced me, dude. So you convinced me just pretending you were him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's so, it. I'm going. <laughs> I should have like listened to my intuition. I should have been like, "No, man, I'm, oh, I'm man. a West Coast type." I yeah. should have just went medic and. Medical Could you have gotten the West Coast if you really Probably. kept going for it? Yeah, yeah. Everyone in my class that put East or West got got East and West where they, they wanted got to go, where they wanted. Gotcha. And um, so what year was this when you were headed out to the East Coast? When I switched that, that was 2009. Okay, right. So on. I my first class was 2006. My second class was like 2008, 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, nine, and um, so I went and switched my dream sheet from West Coast 18 Delta mm. to the straight to the team East Coast. I was like, screw it, I'll go be roommates with. A guy that I went to high school with, that I was good friends with. We trained in high school for Buds, you know. And um, I was like, I'll go to Sniper and East Coast. It'll be awesome. I'm going to love it. You know, it's going to be great. It sounds like you were trying to convince yourself. (laughs) I was. I was. Looking back, I'm like, man, I should have stayed West Coast. But but then again, you know, maybe I'd still be in the teams. Maybe I'd still be doing something else. That's true. We would be hanging out right now fucking talking shit. Right. Now here I am with Fieldcraft. Yeah. Best company in the world. (laughs) So maybe I wouldn't be here, you know. So, like, maybe I'd be dead. I mean, who knows, man. That's true. I can't count how many times I've thought about that. Like, what if I'd have went West Coast, you know? I'd, I, honestly, I'd probably still be in the teams. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you'd be getting everything you I thought you wanted, yeah, yeah, out of it, yeah. The whole, like, growing up, like, it wasn't just, like, I mean, the job is what I wanted, but the brotherhood. I wanted the brotherhood. I yeah. wanted that, like, di- like my so brothers. So how was it? How was it when then you, you did get to a team? Uh, what team did you end up on? Teammate. Okay. So so you're on a teammate, East yep. Coast. Uh, Listen to my friends. Switch my, um, <laughs> I switched my uh, dream sheet. Ended up, yeah. They answered my dream sheet. I got yeah. sent to Team Eight, dude. And um, that was somebody in. else's dream, by the way. Say again. That was somebody else's dream, by the way. It was your buddy. <laughs> it was his dream. I was, yeah, <laughs> I'm just talking yeah. shit. So, so, so yeah, you're there. And then, uh, oh, man. what happens when you get to to your team? So I show up, and okay, so I le- left out a huge part of my story oh. that really made a big factor on my. This is, a, this, yeah, this is a story. So, my second time through Buds, after I'd gotten um, rolled from two seven five, which I love two seven five class. Like I'm, I'm still good friends with several guys from that class. But I'd broken my right uh, tibia and fibia, got rolled. When I got rolled, I had like that time they actually gave me time off to like heal. So I think I had like three months off. I was like, well, I got three months off till I start again. I was a double class role. So 275 to 277. So I skipped. It was like four months. So I went home, took some leave, went home. Nice. And when I did that, I caught my wife cheating on me. Oh. Yeah. So she had been having, and not just like got drunk and like slept with like one dude. Like she had a full-blown affair. Yeah. Had a boyfriend, a guy that she was working with for like eight months. Oh, so it wasn't like just the fling thing. It was like. I'm a forgiving dude. If you get drunk and like, like, okay, you made a mistake. It's, yeah. uh, you know, we can might be able to work through it. No, like she'd been with the guy for like it was eight prolonged, months. Prolonged, damn. It was a prolonged, like, hey, I, I really like you, kind of like I'm in love with yeah, you, yeah. kind of thing. Damn. There was like love type shit involved. So okay. I was just, 
It was bad. I took that hard. I took that real hard. I bet. And um, so, yeah, so that really, and to kind of, to, to answer your question about how teammate was, I had to tell you this to kind of answer that. Yeah. In that, um, you know, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, and anyone that, that, that knows me, all my family knows me, you know, very, very close. They all know that, um, that that really, I think, played a big factor in my entire naval career, unfortunately. And again, looking back now, I handled it way differently. If I could tell my 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 twenty year old self something, go to the instructor staff, tell them, say, "Hey, look, guys, I don't want to quit. I don't want to leave. I don't want to go home. You know, but I just got my wife with two children yeah. um, having an eight month affair with a bartender that she works with. Like, I need some time to go handle this. I need to talk to the attorneys. I need to, you know, emotionally like digest this. I mean, I, I was in the middle." And you're still fairly young at this point, right? I was right? 20 years old. Yeah. 20. 20 no, Jeez. 21. Damn. I was 21 years old. Yeah. Two kids and a wife that had had an eight-month affair, you know? And it's not to knock on her. I mean, now her and I are great, thank God. Um, yeah. She's a very, very, very good mother. And um, I couldn't ask for anything better than that, you know? And um, I will give her a lot of credit for that now. At the time, maybe not. But yeah. now she's doing great, and we have a very great uh, working parenting relationship but anyway when i was there i how i handled it was i internalized everything of and, course you know yeah anyone that's in the law enforcement military sf communities like you can't internalize when you're with your boys you can't <laughs> you have to be like look look guys this is what i'm dealing with this is what i gotta do it's not a knock on me and i just gotta go handle some shit yeah right that's that's what i should have done Hey, instructor, staff, this is what I got to do. I don't want to quit. I still want to be here. Can I please take like a leave, like give me a month leave to go handle this and talk to my attorneys, get my divorce done and yeah. let me digest this shit and get, get back into training and but hit no, the ground right? running. But I didn't. Okay. So I kept my mouth shut. I internalized everything. And it didn't really play a huge effect on my performance other than I'd like forget a canteen. I have to run, run back up my room quick and grab my canteen. Or like I'd be like two minutes late. No, nothing crazy. Like I didn't. I was never unsafe, no safety violations, no issues, but I just wasn't mentally there. Yeah. I wasn't hitting it with the boys and talking, hey, what's up, guys? Like, I wasn't cool with the guys. I, I just, I was real quiet and somber and kind of would stick to myself and I'd kind of go off to myself. And at the end of the day, whenever all the guys sit around and talk and like are cleaning our boots or sharpening your knife for buds and shooting the shit, I'd be in my room, I'd be in, be in my room by myself. Mm. And it's like, so I, I kind of ostracized myself. Yeah, you know, and well, that you did were hurt. dealing with a bunch of shit too. So I had a lot of shit going on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I should have handled it differently. I was yeah. twenty years old, man. Caught my wife cheating on me. It's just, and I think that that really set up that that set me up for failure for later on in life. I didn't even know it yet. You know, answer the question. Um, graduated SQT two seven nine. Got to teammate, and by that, but by, by this time, I'd already, I'd already recovered. You know, emotionally from from that. That had been like. Shit, almost a year, maybe, you know, later. So I I was emotionally good, but the guys never let me forget that. Oh, rough. And fair enough, right? Yeah. I don't knock them for it. When you're in that high of a level of a program, like a, like an SF program, you've got to be scored away. You've got to be on your shit. You can't afford, you need to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes early, not two minutes late. Yeah. Like, if you're two minutes late, you're already wrong for not even being early, much less on time, you know? Yeah. So um, I don't knock guys for that. But I did have a lot of stuff I was dealing with, you know. So fast forward, I feel emotionally better, but they never let that down. And, of course, every, damn near the whole class I graduated with all went to teammate. 
I wasn't the only one that went to Team 8 and got a whole fresh, Damn. clean slate. And right, right. Start, uh, all dudes I went to school with were all now in my same they team, in my win. platoon, in my troop, in my platoon. Jeez. So that was hard. That was rough. And on top of the personality issue, you know, getting there to, to a Team 8, I just, I am not an East Coast country bumpkin type. Kind of, no offense to those that are. <laughs> no, I grew up in Texas. Like, yeah. uh, you know, hell, we're, we're in where we are right now. You know, it's, it's all about country. So, um, yeah, I wasn't the uh, East Coast personality type. I already didn't get along personality-wise. And then with the, oh, well, you know, he was a couple minutes late here and there through Buds, cause, you know, and they didn't really know why. I didn't, no one knew that I was, that I was going through that. Like, no one knew. Like, I should have told someone. My LPO didn't know. Like, no one knew that I was, you know, doing all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, was it So they just thought years? you were a quiet dude keeping to yourself. Yeah. Like, oh, he doesn't really fit out. in. Why is he not talking to us? Why is he weird? He's yeah. weird, you know? Gotcha. So, yeah. So how was it uh, post all that, right? So now we, we've you've recovered from it. You're you're on the teams. You're on you're, you're on, on teammate. Uh, how was it being there? Like the level of training and proficiency, and like the job shit you were doing. Um, I mean, it's just, it's the SF world now, right? For you guys, yep. and uh, did what 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 were there deployments? Mm-hmm. With with the team, with that team that you were on, and how so, were those for you? Team eight, we I don't even know uh, to to save a really long long story on that. Team eight, we got stuck with the Africa uh, cycle, so we were doing shorter shorter deployments, like five month deployments, and we'd be back for a shorter amount of time than and then deploy again. again. So team ten, I want to say the 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 month or month after I checked into team eight, team ten. Did like this awesome um, deployment, and actually, I I have more friends at, from from Team Ten than I do Team Eight. But um, Team Ten, man, they did like a, a Afghan deployment for like ten months, something crazy. Which for a SEAL team is like long. That's unheard of. Like wow. it's crazy. Like, like like they really got to short in the stick. But then again, however you want to look at it, like they yeah. got short in the stick, long deployment, but they also they got to see some fun. cool shit. Yeah, you know. So um, they got to, to go do that, and then everyone at Team Eight, we kind of got stuck doing Africa, which was still cool. I mean, there were a couple, you know. It was, you know, it was a whole different, whole different type of war, but it was cool. But, um, you know, looking back again, I, I, I checked into Team 8. I was probably 23, maybe. And um, I had, I, I still felt the pressure of the environment from SQT from where I was making the small, stupid mistakes, you know, and I had a problem with the leadership at, um, at the team that I was at and, I think a combination of me just being young and stupid, not knowing how to keep my mouth shut. I was quiet, kept myself, but then again, I didn't play the game right. I didn't, you know, like playing the game. I did, I would say things and not necessarily argue, just being young and dumb and not keeping my mouth shut. Being a little more edgy maybe than you should have been. Exactly. With, and yeah. you had made a comment earlier like, you know, we think people are looking at a certain way, but really it's not like that at all. We're just yeah. thinking that <laughs> it's oh, us. Like they're all, yeah. they all hate me, you know. So I kind of had that thing going in just from, I'll call it, you know, the like the the poor, poor me band-aid, right? But the like the emotional scars, I guess, of like SQT of like no one liked me. I was ostracized because of that. And I kind of took care of that into teammate with me. But that that aside, it was awesome. I mean, being on a SEAL team, I was like, hell yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Like we were going on trips, doing training, you know, shooting, jumping, diving. Like it was awesome. Like this is what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. You know? So you guys... What was like a, a typical training day? Like, how many rounds did you fire? What time were you up? What time were you guys moving out? Long days. Yeah, right. And and what were you guys doing as far as um, 
how it relates to what we're doing now, right? We've been at two events together now. Mm-hmm. This weekend will be two full weekends that we've been together doing training. And I'm excited, man. I like having you around. So I'm really pumped about all this. Um, how did that training that you were doing at that time, when you were in the thick of it, in the team, and then pre-deployment, post-deployment, uh, the level of training you guys were doing, getting, and uh, how how active you guys were, and how it all just kind of relates to what we're doing now. Absolutely. So I will say that it is tough. It is a very, very hard, challenging path for everyone that's listening that maybe is thinking SF, whether it's Army, Navy, Marine Corps, whatever. If you're thinking SF, it is extremely challenging. Once you, even once you get there, you know people think that you know if I can just, if I can just get through selection, then I'm good. <laughs> no. I've been colder, more tired, more exhausted, more everything in the teams than I ever was in Buds or in Hell Week or anything, I, like hands down. Right you on. know, it's 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 way harder, but it's one of the, it is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And for anyone that is wanting to go that path, man, do it, do it. Don't sit there and wait till you're you know 25 and oh, I, uh, don't be one of those guys that like when you're 25, 30 years old. Well, you know, I wanted to be a seal, but da da da. Man, yeah. just do it. Just if you don't do make it. it, man, you don't make it. You, you know how many people don't make it? Don't. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a shitty person or you're not good enough or like you just didn't make it, man. Like it is what it is, you know. Right. But go for it, you know. Swing, at least yeah. swing, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Some people won't even show up, dude. Right. Just oh, show up, and that's, and that's all you got to do. Like honestly, getting like buzz is not that. Each individual, you know, evolution by itself, anyone can do. It's not yeah. that hard. It's, it's the culmination of everything being yeah, consistent doing it everywhere. Day. Just yeah. make it to the next meal. Make it to breakfast. Make it to lunch. Make it to dinner. And then do it all over again yeah. for like a year. <laughs> you know? And then you get to a team. Then you do it all over again for however many years you're, you're there. You know, um, We're gone all the time. To, 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 kinda, to get back to your question, you're gone all the time. Um, it is hard on the family life. But again, it's that calling. And if, and if you have that calling, and if whether you're a small child or a high school student or even in your 20s and you're thinking about it, man, and you even have even the inkling that you think you want to do it, shoot, go for it, you know? Because yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, man, if you make it, it is the most amazing lifestyle you'll ever experience. To get back to the question, though, um, it's long, long days, but it's, it's, it's extreme stress and busyness followed by extreme bouts of boredom. <laughs> you know, anyone that's ever been in the military, it's like, yeah, all right, man. well, sit around and wait, you know. Yeah, it's the whole feast Hurry famine, and, and it's, just, it's just changed over to time, right? Uh, feast famine in the sense of there's a lot of cool shit, and you peak, and that's your feast, and then there's the famine side of it all where you're just laying around, not doing shit, but just maintaining, waiting for the next cycle of something badass to go do. Yep. Uh, that's how no, trips yeah, were. For sure. You know, we, trips for us were typically anywhere from a week to, like, five, six weeks, and um, you would do a trip, and you'd be doing badass stuff, jumping, you know, I mean, waking up at 5, 6 a.m., trying to, you know, slam some food real quick, get some coffee in, and gearing up, and going and pl- playing playing badass, you know, and you're, you're doing it all day long. And whether you're doing urban stuff or you're doing mobility work, whether you're doing, you know, jumping, diving, um, demolition, shooting, range work, you're doing tactic stuff like CQC, your house, you know, there's so much stuff you do in the, no matter what, what branch you're in, no matter what your actual job set is, but in the SF world, like there's so many disciplines that, that, that you have to be proficient at yeah. and there's a standard and you have to meet the standard or, or you, you get your bird pulled, you know, and then there's the whole safety aspect. Like, you could be really good at your job, but if you're kind of dumb and you're not safe, like, you'll get your bird pulled, too. Damn. You know? And I am proud to say that in five years at Team 8, I never once got a single safety violation. Not Hell one yeah. time. 
Awesome. So I may not have been super strong or fast, the you fastest, were also strongest guy. <laughs> but I was, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I was, I was a very safe person, I guess. So, but um, so five years there, right? Five yep. years as a seal. Five years getting up to there and doing all that. Uh, how was that though? Like looking back now, those five years on the team, how how do you sum it up now? Like today, it made me the man that I am. Yeah. Today. It right gave on. me the strength, the fortitude, the humility. It gave me the humility. <laughs> um, it gave me, yeah, it just, it it made me a much better father. It made me a better brother. It made me a better, I don't say civilian, but it it made me more equipped to handle much harder things in life that were to come. Yeah. That I didn't know at the time, obviously. Um, but things, you know, mountains that I knew that or mountains that I didn't even know were there yet that I wasn't gonna have to climb that I probably would you know looking back now po- between now and then um I didn't know that I would have to you know that 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 would be there um being a seal I think gave me that strength you know, right being on. a seal gave me the strength to be the father and the son and the husband or fiance boyfriend you know yeah all the things that I am um it definitely made me who I am yeah, for sure. It it more or less it sounds like it just added to kind of what you had going anyway, man. With Thank you. what it sounds like, yeah, dude. And I'm just piecing together what you're saying and how the 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 time that we've had and me getting to know you and it's just like, yeah, I, I'm piecing that together, dude. It just added another fucking layer to some cool shit that you were already bringing to the table, man. A lot of that adversity is is a big fucking deal for people, man. Some people don't overcome those things. And it becomes an excuse to fail at other things, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is to not fucking quit, not fail, Absolutely. not do anything that's going to set you back from the fucking goal you're trying to achieve, Never. dude. Like, don't let things stop you. Shit gets shitty, dude. It's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and you know that. And it sounds like you fucking know that. So it's it's rad, man. It, it's 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 really great to have this conversation and really get to know you a little bit more because of Thank you. Uh, of the way we can chat about it. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, cool. So we, we touched on the young day, on the young early years, right? 12 years mm-hmm. old. We know where we're going. Uh, we finally get to where we're going. We do what we wanted to do. Uh, how was it then separating and getting out? Whew. Man, so, you know, it's so funny that you hit uh, the adversity part. Because I think that, I mean, I, I often say this, that, uh, you know, the adversity made me. I mean, I think it's very, I had a very rough road getting to the team getting even through the team just because of uh, uh, the emotional I'll call them the emotional scars that that were created uh, through training through the divorce through the you know having two kids early on breaking both my legs getting you know all the stuff that I went through I think made me looking back now I kept you know why does it keep happening to me kind of thing or like, like why like everyone else just gets through all easy and they don't you know no issues no they're single no kids you know but that set me up for, I think, whenever I transitioned from military to civilian life. You know, going through all that, definitely, that you know, looking back now, like, that was my strength, was being able to um, strive. Like, like that actually fed me. Like, the fact that I had that adversity and a lot of other people, I mean, every, I don't care what, what anyone says, everyone goes through hard times, right? Everyone has adversity. Everyone deals with things in their own way. But I felt that I had a lot more cards stacked against me than the average person. Not that, not, not that other people didn't have it harder than me, but like I had a lot of adversity and, and mountains to climb early on. And I think that that really taught me a lot of strength, a lot of fortitude, a lot of 
um, sacrifice in my personal life and in, in my kid's life. I mean, I went essentially 10 years almost without even seeing them, you know, really without talking to them very much. My first year at my first year at Silty Mate, I was home 11 days. Damn. Not home in Texas with my daughters. Just here in, in Virginia States. Beach okay. where I was stationed yeah, 11 yeah. days. Damn. You know, so, um, but, you know, again, fast forwarding five years to the team. I mean, it was awesome. I loved it. I, again, had, you know, I was young at the time, um, didn't, you know, had a couple of run-ins with the uh, leadership and um, made a couple of mistakes here and there, but, you know, just like normal stuff, like everyone, but I just didn't fit in on the East Coast. I knew I should have went West Coast. I even tried switching to the West Coast several times, and they weren't having that. No. East Coast doesn't like when you try to go to the West Coast. Oh, <laughs> shit. There's a big, actually, I don't know if this common knowledge. Is it just culturally, like, they're, like, they're almost like a separate culture. Yeah, I get Very it. They're, they're both seals on oh, both you're ends. West Coast guy, huh? Oh, <laughs> East Coast guy, huh? Like there's this rivalry between the S or between the East and West Coast teams. Interesting. I, 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 I don't know. And is that, is that a Coast. commonly known thing, oh, or is it yeah. is it like just, inside? It's is, is it insider information, or do like other SF communities kind of know that you guys are you guys have your East Coast That's West Coast? Insider. Is it okay? I don't know if you know if the Army SF World or Marine Corps SF World knows that, but. Maybe a few of them, you know, but um, no, it's definitely like in the teams, like if you're an East Coast guy, you don't belong on the West Coast. If you're a yeah. West Coast type personality, you don't belong on the East Coast. I was a West Coast personality on the East Coast. So <laughs> I had a couple run-ins with that. Dude. You know, you know, added to just being young and dumb with some things and not keeping my mouth shut and just rogering up the way I should have. You know, now at my age, I feel like now I know how to play the game a little bit better. I know how to keep my mouth shut and how to say certain things and how to not ostracize myself and you know, how to navigate things that I really wasn't taught, I guess, as a younger person, maybe. Whatever, you know. So fast forward five years, I'm getting out. And um, I was having a lot of medical, and this is actually kind of like a part three of of this podcast, I guess, getting into my civilian world, uh, into my civilian life. I've, I've been out now about five years and um, had a lot of medical issues, man. And I know that a lot of team guys have a lot of issues uh, leaving the military. Yeah. And especially when you've operated at, you know, the quote, <laughs> very humbly saying a quote, the rock star level. Like when you're at that level, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. you're doing cool stuff and jumping out of planes and, you know, traveling all the time, living out of a suitcase and just being awesome, you know. And then you go to Severe World and you're like, man, I'm, yeah. I'm not awesome anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah. You're you know, still cool, bro. All right, don't don't feel like you're not. I totally think you're cool. Uh, no, just um, <laughs> so I think. Looking back now, I guess over the last five years, I think the biggest thing that I've dealt with with my transition, and this is I ain't kind of more or less talking to anyone that's in the middle of a transition, or if you're an active SEAL and you're thinking about getting out maybe, or or you're in the process of getting out, you know, one, th- and this may be, uh, uh, this may go very you know, underrated, but go get your blood checked. Right on. Honestly, man. Um, that's probably the biggest piece of uh, of advice I have for anyone Health-wise, for anyone yeah, leaving, as they're leaving, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot a of pieces, unit of, pieces team, yeah. of advice for leaving the military. But health-wise, go get your blood checked. Do a full, full plan- like blood panel. panel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking back now, I, all the issues that I had. So I had a massive, massive hormone hormone issue mm-hmm. that I didn't discover till, uh, till until I was leaving the Navy. But all the issues that I, all the research that I had done, all the doctors that I would spoke with, everything that I would learned, I would had it for several years, which thinking back now makes a lot of sense about uh, a lot of other examples, a lot of other other issues that um, we're not going to go into that, 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 that I had experienced was definitely hormonally. And I just, I'm sure a lot of military guys, especially you know, SF dudes, can, can relate to this. But 
um, couldn't sleep for shit, mm-hmm. horrible sleep, no energy, no motivation. I'd be in the back of a of a plane about to jump out of a you know C one thirty at night, you know, which is really fun, really cool. Yeah, you're all falling asleep. Fuck up. You're just like, there, sleeping. like whatever. <laughs> like yeah. that's not normal, bro. No, <laughs> like, for sure. You know, there's guns going off and shit, and you're like falling asleep. Yeah. You know, so just a lot of issues, um, motivation, uh, memory. Memory was horrible. Um, I was like. Gaining, even though I was eating clean and still training, I was losing muscle definition very, very rapidly. Yeah. Would gain body fat rapidly, especially on my like midsection. And so um, was it that you were high in estrone? Like, was it you? It had switched off from so one my body hormone stopped. to another one. Yeah. So my body stopped producing testosterone. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of a lot of that happens with the stressing, the stressful exactly. environments, dude. Which is why a lot of the SF um, community can relate. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, or just I mean, I can relate just because of all the other shit. But, dude, it, it is. It's a stressor that fucks you up. It's cortisol. Uh, yeah, and it raises so high that it's just overpowering. And a lot of dudes don't get it. And look, hey, we're sitting here talking about this. No fucking shame in the game. We've all been level checked and know that at some point. Uh, because of all the activity that we've been in, and everyone from Mike to you to me to Kevin to Joe, everybody, we all had have gone through these panels and got checked, and we all had the same fucking issue, man. And it's the high-stress environments that we were all in doing weird shit mm-hmm. and uh, not even knowing what it was. No idea. So it's cool that you say that because, dude, never having this conversation before, dude, I can relate because we've all gone through that and our panels were all fucked up and now they're better. My dog was like, I don't know how you even walked in here to see me. But a lot really. of dudes will never. And I quote, yeah, I'll never forget that. She, female, Dr. Uh, Carol, uh, Carol, I can't even last name right now, but San Diego, um, Joy Wellness Center. If you live in San Diego, California, or if you're a West Coast team guy, absolutely go and see Joy Wellness. Um, they saved my life, man. Yeah. Because, I remember, like, well, Dave, you're gonna drop shoutouts. We we go through BioStation, uh, and they handle a lot of that stuff. There you go. So there's, anyone, really, there's but, resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's good that you can name somebody who helped you personally because someone. it creates yeah. that that helpful um, place where where it's like a reference. It's a verbal reference. It's a word of mouth reference versus Absolutely. research online or you know seeing fucking pamphlets, right? And it's important uh, for you know for the SF community because we're all very. Oh, I don't need help. Nothing wrong with me. Uh, yeah, it's I'm good. the bravado, yeah. dude, and it's the Absolutely. macho shit. It's the macho shit. And yeah. it's like, bro, come on, man. Like, there are people out there that are willing to help you. Yeah, you and we're, we're we're biological machines, dude. Absolutely. We need tune-ups. We need to get fixed. We need to get patched up. We need to heal. And uh, here's the thing: a lot of that uh, the cortisol stuff that that raises and gets us all fucked up and weird, right? And the stress hormones and all this other stuff. Um, all that comes not only from the wear and tear physically and then being tired and exhausted and pushing your body past. So we basically use so much ad- uh, adrenaline and testosterone that you stop making it because you fucking used so much of it. And so all of that accumulates, right? And that's the physical side. And that's still leaving out the mental shit, dude. PTSD is no fucking joke, dude. Absolutely. Some of the fucking weird shit that you've seen and I've seen in Mike, the stories we tell. Like, I tell stories in person at classes more than I tell stories, like, on podcasts or in videos. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there's a very personal feel. And if I'm going to share something like that, I'd rather share it with people personally, right? The same way. Because then I can see their faces and see how they're taking it, yeah. right? Some of the stories today, man, I put some dudes in, like, a very somber mood. Yeah. But they wanted to hear some stories. And I was like, all right, man, 
I'll share some shit, but it's not cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I, obviously, being a cop, there's some really great funny stories. Uh, none of my military stories were that great, dude. I, I The biggest one for me, picking up my buddy who had burned alive in a fucking Humvee and getting his body, putting him in a bag, and then putting him in our vehicle and transporting him back so that they can get him out, right? That sucked, dude. And they go home and hug your wife and kids. I never tell that story anywhere because the smell of seared human flesh, as much as we want to say it smells like something different, dude, it smells like you're cooking meat. And so now, having ridden his body back and the whole vehicle smells of that, anytime, and nobody knows, because I deal with this shit internally, whatever, right? Every time I smell cooked meat or meat on a grill, I remember that, dude, bro. And yeah. it sucks because everywhere you go is barbecues and all this. <laughs> Nobody fucking knows, right? I internalize that. Yeah. Uh, I talk about it here and there. My girl knows about it. Um, but it's rough, right? And I, I say all that just to say that having experienced all these crazy things mentally and physically, it leads to that loss. So, it, dude, if you guys have gone through shit like that in the cop world, SF military, go get checked out. Like like Aaron was saying, it'll change everything. It'll take, to be ashamed of. It isn't, dude. And it's people, normal. yeah, dude. So many guys and women go. And the whole thing about PTS, man, whether you, I mean, people can get PTS from like a horrific car accident, you can get PTS yeah, from like getting not burned. isolated, right? You know? It's not isolated to no. doing cool shit in different places, right? It could be something as simple as a a car wreck or witnessing a car wreck. Fuck, you weren't even involved. You just witnessed it, and it was something beyond or your capability or of grasping. Yeah. yeah, you just weren't ready for it, and it created a scar. It's not just and military or special forces. You know, yeah, it's like. Anything that was traumatic anywhere. to you. Yeah. Exactly. And it's very you. individualized, right? Absolutely. Because you seeing somebody get hit by a car, yeah, it sucks, but maybe you're just like, meh. But then somebody else sees it, and that's traumatic <laughs> as fuck yeah. for them. Uh, so it's very independent. So if you guys are struggling, uh, go get your levels checked out. I guarantee your life will change, and you'll feel way better. Um, I'm going to ask you this question, because it's a kick-ass question, and I always get cool responses, right? If you didn't know how old you were, Right? So you have no idea how old you now. are. Just now. Yeah. Uh-huh. You don't know. How old would you say you were? Probably older than I am. I'd really? I'd say I'm in my, well, no, but I'm, I'm maturity say, level. Think about it. Yeah. Well, maturity level, phys- my body physical hurts level, the way everything <laughs> is, how old would you say you are? Probably young. Yeah. I'd probably say I'm like 25, 26, 27, something like that. So like 10 years less, right? Yeah. Yeah. Same here. And everybody yeah. I ask, some people try to push forward into the future and be like, oh, I'm older. I think it's because we're like, our bodies no. are kind of hurt and we're more mature. Yeah. But, but in spirit, wise, dude. Mindset, spirit, bro. Yeah. We're still I'm, young and ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why I say because I'm so I'm like, fuck, 17, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and, and I say that because it's super important to hone in on those feelings and continue to push and do cool shit. Like, I get it. Uh, there was a meme I saw a long time ago that was, like, a dude shooting off of a corner and there's shit splashing everywhere, and it's, like, PTSD, knowing you'll never do cool shit ever again because now you're out of the military, right? <laughs> and it's, like, well, damn, right? And we have had this conversation recently. Uh, let's stop chasing things that aren't going to be there anymore. Like, it wasn't for us. It wasn't for our time. Uh, let's take what we have, what we know, and just make everybody else better. Because that's, that's the best what advice now. that anyone can take. You know, whether it's TBI or PTS or you know, hormonal issues or you're leaving the military, whatever it is, you know, um, man, if you're not happy with what you got served, like you can't go back, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. move forward. Just take 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 the best things from it that you learned. Like I, I would have loved to have a 
I would have loved to have had a few more experiences that I didn't get to have that I feel personally I won't go into, but that I didn't get to like check the box on. Yeah, you know, and you and I've talked about it before. Yeah, yeah. And now here I am, still kind of somewhat on the fence of chasing <laughs> it still, or like, well, I have kids and a wife, you know, like, like, like yeah. do I get it? You know, so man, take from it what you can, you know, and get your stuff checked. You know, there's nothing you don't need to be ashamed. I mean, just the the job itself of special forces or even military or 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 law enforcement or whatever it is, the job itself. Is stressful. Then you have your own personal life, a divorce, a car accident, children. I mean, whatever it is, like I had like all those, you know, so yeah. all that stuff all combined. When I left the, um, when I left the Navy, my testosterone score was a 219. Damn. I didn't know what that meant at the time. Like 219, is that high? Is that mid range? Low? Well, then I learned that the range was like 212. <laughs> I'm 219. Mm-hmm. 212 to like 1200. Yeah, and then I, then I so then I went to my dad who was like fifty two at the time, fifty one, fifty two. I'm like, hey dad, like, what's your test score? Oh, I don't know. I, I got checked about you know two three months ago. It was like eight seventy five. Oh, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm a two nineteen. You know. So yeah. then I started searching TRT, started researching. Is that healthy? I don't really want to do the whole steroid thing. Yeah. Like, but my body does not produce testosterone anymore, and my cortisol was through the roof. You know. So then there's the whole like me leaving the navy. There was the whole financial issue. You know, because like yeah when. Special forces specifically, but just military in general leave. Like, what do you do? There's not a whole lot of jobs I can get in. There aren't in the right? sector yeah. carrying a gun. So you, it, it leads you right into contracting, right? Right. Yeah. Right into contracting, and even that's kind of like hit or miss. And then, so, so, but then you have to, you're expected to have money right away. And I had two kids, so and and an ex-wife. Yes, yeah, so you need to produce. I had money. child support. Yeah, you <laughs> got shit. You got eleven hundred bucks a month in child support. <laughs> I know we we talked briefly uh, in the past about your contracting stuff. Uh, how was that? I mean, you, you don't have to talk about companies and shit like that, but how were your, your trips, and uh, where were they to? So most of my trips were 30 to 60 days, and um, I'd be off probably two or three months, and then I'd go back. And um, the first, I want to say the first probably two years, I think I did 10 or 11, maybe 11 deployments. And, um, you know, they're all 30 to 60 days, and I would fly mostly, I would do um, Africa and the Persian Gulf area. So I did the whole uh, the whole Captain Phillips thing, the whole you know, anti piracy. Yeah, gotcha. So I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna go shoot some pirates and get my gun on." And <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> there's no no Somalis trying to board. It, unfortunately, <laughs> it, it was not sexy. By the time I had gotten there, all the pirates knew that the 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 certain company of the certain shipping company that I worked with. All the pirates knew that that particular company hired hired guns. Okay. So no one they like I had off. a few times where they would like charge us kind of thing, we, and we we had to show them weapons, but, but they they'd veer off. Like yeah, you know. Well, they so, were doing a quick run to see if you guys had. They were anything. testing us. Yeah, they were checking you out. And if we didn't show them weapons, then they probably would have attacked. Right? right. So, um, it was mostly Africa, Persian Gulf. Um, I did the whole India, Sri Lanka circuit. Um. Uh, Pakistan, all that, you know. So that was cool. Um, I did that for a while. That was fun. But essentially, you're just working out, standing watch, reading books, eating good, you know, good yeah. and bad food. Um, yeah, living life. So that was cool. It was a good experience, but then I was ready for something else. So then I did that for a while. Then I did some – actually, in there, I did about a, about a year and a half kind of side hustle stint. I did <laughs> – I'm not going to say what company, <laughs> but I did some network marketing, some pyramid scheme stuff, and I'm – my family listening to this will probably laugh at me. Well, laugh it tur- right I remember this conversation, and it turned out like oh, you were like you became like the top dog in the pyramid. I, did. <laughs> I got real high real quick, and I actually made over six figures with it. I made, I made good money scamming the lower dudes, right? <laughs> I mean, when I you're on top scamming, of the pyramid, you're I eating those dudes from up. their bank account, 
But <laughs> how do I put this? So I'm a very passionate, motivated individual. I always have been. In that world, if you're passionate and motivated and you stay in there and you're a people person, you can succeed. You can do well. There's a lot of people yeah. right now today in that world that make good money. But I didn't like what you have to do to make the money. And also what happened is me getting high enough, I did get to a point where I kind of started to see behind the curtain. you know, And I saw that some of the practices that the higher up leadership were doing just to earn money. And they would like behind the scenes kind of switch teams around and like, all this work that someone put in, if they didn't like them, they'd like basically essentially kick them out of the company, which is kind of illegal. But then you sign paperwork, you can't. It, whatever. It was uh, not the organization or the um, the part of. It wasn't what I wanted to do. At some point, you're like, "Fuck." This. I'm like, "This is BS." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After I you made much money for on a, bunch a good of year and a half, and I'm done. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, I got a few seals also uh, involved in that company. Some are still doing uh, very well with it, but uh, you can have it, you can keep it, because yeah. I do not want that lifestyle. That is not, you couldn't pay me a million dollars a month to do that lifestyle. Um, you really, it's very cult-like. You know, it's very, oh, you got to dive all in. It's, you're all in or nothing, if you yeah, want to yeah. make money with it. Yeah, if you want to succeed in that one, you yeah. got to be completely immersed exactly. in it and be all be all about it. I all right, it. so let's recap. We talked about the early days, right? 12-year-old fucking Aaron wanting to be a SEAL from that age, fucking rubbing up on giant Six foot four, two sixty pound fucking dude. <laughs> your dad's friend with the trident on his yeah. arm. I'm like, oh, this is like a, gold, <laughs> this is like a golden Greek god, uh, you know. And then pushing on into high school, getting through that, and then early years in in the navy, and then getting fucked up and uh, getting rolled, and then finally going through getting it, getting to a team. Unfortunately, you went to the East Coast. I don't know how that dude <laughs> convinced you because it really sounded like the West Coast was, was your so fucking dream. <laughs> So you end up on the East Coast with these guys. Uh, you do your rotations, you do all your deployments and stuff, and then you're out. And like I said, I'm summarizing where we've been, yeah. right? So so if anybody's listening a little after the fact, they're catching up. Uh, we talked about contracts and being in fucking pirate-ridden waters. Uh, your huge pyramid scheme thing that I'm glad you didn't wrap me up into. That was a little blip into. in my life that, yeah, like, next. Uh, yeah. And so, and then, and then training now, right? So, so let, let's, let's, let's catch everybody up to kind of how we met. We met in Texas while we were doing carbine together, started shooting and just shooting the shit. And yeah. How did you end up there? So after the whole pyramid scheme stuff, I was living in San Diego at the time. And, um, I had decided that I was going to get back into, con well, actually I got a phone call from a gentleman and he wanted me to go out to California and do some transportation work, just some more personal security stuff for him. And that was cool. Um, I got to go to New Zealand, got to go to Australia, did a lot of uh, things out there. And then uh, he flew me back. And I don't know how much of this, <laughs> how much of this, like, should, <laughs> how I should word it. But in California, it's legal. I'll say that it's legal in California. And I did some transportation for a company out there um, in a certain business that is popular in the state of California and a few other states. And um, that was fun. There was a quick little quick story about that. There was the craziest time probably with me is I was in a 26-foot 20, murdered-out uh, Mercedes Sprinter van with about a million dollars. It was slightly less, but right around a million dollars worth of uh, product in the back, about three pallets worth, stinking up the whole highway, if, if you're catching <laughs> my drift. <laughs> and I had um, about $100,000 worth of cash on me and a pistol. 
and that was nuts. You know, transporting from Northern California back down, uh, back down to Northern LA, and from that ended up working, uh, doing the whole private security sector, the PSD executive protection stuff. Worked with uh, there was a gentleman that owned one of the largest companies in California. His son, who was 23 years old, he put me as a detail on his son. And I worked with him, and that was extremely aggravating because he's 23. I'm probably 31 at the time, 31, 32 years old, 31. And uh, he was 23 and had two Bentley SUVs, one black, one white, with the opposite color interior. Of course, right, because he needed that. Uh, Right. (laughs) That was two of his, like, eight car. He he had a Mercedes 4x4 squared, the big lifted $250,000 G-Wagon. Then he had, like, uh, he had three Rolls Royces, two Phantoms, exact same identical car different color it just it was nuts like like he had like a 10 or 11 car stupid i did that for about seven or eight months decided i was done with contracting until i find a good contracting job yeah i'm over it so i started went back down to san diego started going to school uh went to college for about a year um got my associates knocked out and i'm still doing online stuff right now trying to finish up my um my bachelor's but was doing that and then Decided after about a year of that, kind of got tired of the whole school thing. I was like, you know what? I'm not done contracting. I'm not done being a being a warrior. I still want to go try and pipe hitter, bro. I still want to go, you know, fight the good fight. So <laughs> I was like, well, I need to start training, you know. So I put in my 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 security clearance from the teams had actually lapsed. So I needed to redo that. And at the time, I was like, well, I'm a little rusty, you know. I've been in college for a year. I haven't shot, so I need to start shooting. While well, I'm in California, you can't even have like a damn near pistol <laughs> you know it's a bad spot for guns dude <laughs> it's so bad i'm like well shit i can go back home to texas i can shoot all i want and i can see my family see my daughters more they live with their mother in texas you know it'll be great um it's cheaper in texas i can pay off some debt you know it'll be awesome and then yeah that's that's where it took me i went to texas i'd been there maybe two weeks and i saw and i've been following fieldcraft for probably a good two and a half years or so i think i remember seeing mike whenever he first one of his first podcasts, when he first started the Fieldcraft podcast, I'm like, oh, this is so cool, you know? Um, and I was all about it. And uh, so, you know, about a, a month and a half, yeah, about a month and a half ago now, so I officially moved back to Texas and um, started just shooting, started training, you know, bought all my, bought, bought, uh, bought some new kit and then went to a Fieldcraft course. I'd been wanting to do it for several years and I was like, well, now's the perfect time, you know, I'm training for a, for a, um, for for another security contract, I was like, I might as well start shooting, you know, and went to a Fieldcraft course, and yeah, I emailed Mike, I remember that, I emailed Mike, and I was like, hey man, I'm coming to one of your courses, I think I had a, I don't remember what it was, I asked him a question about something, and then that's how he got me in touch with you, kind of, whenever I showed up, you know, you and I had met, and yeah. Sweet, dude, and that was a good day, man, we, that was cool, we, we shot that whole day, hung out afterwards, and just chatted, dude, and got to know each other pretty briefly, and uh, I'd like to think I'm a good judge of character, man, just because I, dude, I just know. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. You're a cop, bro. Yeah, I was a cop for long <laughs> enough to, to look at people. Undercover. Like, you can really read that. You again. gotta, you, you have to know, motherfuckers, dude. Uh, your ass is on the line. Yeah. So, and you have to make judgment calls really quickly. And I kind of knew, man. I, I kind of knew you were a good fit, and I'm glad that it worked out. And now we're here in Kansas uh, filming this and or recording this uh, for the uh, tech people that are going to get mad if I, if I say filming versus recording right because you always get judged now uh yeah so so how has it been let's close with that uh how has it been with you your experience so far with us now uh training with me training with kevin seeing how we run classes how we uh interact with people and even the places that we go and the people that we're hanging out with i love it man i mean it's only been what three two three weeks now 
and the interactions that I've had with all you guys, it's very humbling. It's very, it's, it, I mean, I can't say enough how much, how much of an honor, you know, it is. I, I never expected when I first emailed Mike or when I first talked to you that it would turn into this. I never, never thought. And, and honestly, I have to give credit to my girlfriend, well, to my fiance, um, Cat man, she really pushed me to email Mike. I was like, I don't know, man. It's Mike Lover. I don't, I don't want to email. You know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he, he's probably so busy. He doesn't even, you know, he won't, he won't respond. She's like, just do it, just yeah. do it. You know. So I shot him an email. I'm like, all right, babe. I shot him an email. He probably isn't gonna say anything. He's not gonna respond. You know. Sure enough, man. Like two weeks later, uh, he hit me back. And I'm like, babe. Hey, Mike, return my email. Be back. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know? awesome. So yeah, that's yeah. how I got set up with that. And then I mean, it. Every time you guys talk, man, it's just like I'm. I'm trying to take notes. I'm listening. I mean, I feel like the new guy. I mean, you know, I am the new guy, but I feel like you guys have so much more experience than me and so much more stuff that I'm just constantly trying to learn and listen. And it, it's just such an honor and so cool to be surrounded by you guys. Yeah, honestly. And that, that's kind of what we. That's kind of the design, man. And uh, in Mike's infinite wisdom, which is really great, is. And he has systems in place, right? And these are like low key insider things that you know I've picked up being around Mike and, and seeing how <laughs> things run. He dude, there's so much in his brain. It's amazing to see him work and how he does things every day, day in, day out. And he he low key does things where he he'll answer your email and then push you to me, and then we'll talk, and then yep. I'll talk to him, and then it just creates this circle where everything gets fucking yeah. figured out, man. Uh, so it's really cool how he does those things. It's so impressive working for Mike. I was making a joke, and Mike, I'm sure you're going to hear this. Uh, I was making a joke about I'm going to write a book one day about having worked for Mike Lover. <laughs> and it, it's been a really rad experience. And, and today, and you've heard me say it with Kevin, and Kevin laughs his ass off because I always talk about myself. Uh, you guys, if, if you guys have watched the movie World War Z, uh, they're in Jerusalem and, or in Israel, and he's like, yeah, I'm the 10th man. I have to question things. And that's me, dude. That's totally me. I'm always like, dude, we should do this. And I just pose the opposite just to make sure that we're on track, right? Uh, and I think that that's been a good role. It's helped the company a lot. And I've learned so much from Mike, dude. It's really cool. And that's kind of how it is, man. He'll he'll be like, hey, reach out to Roll, And then it'll kind of become this thing over here. And then it'll grow over here. And then it all just kind of percolates around everybody else, right? And everybody gets a little taste of things. And then that's just kind of how it works, man. It, it's really cool. It's really organic. And if it's the right fit, it's always the right guys. Like, we don't take on... We've, we feel so many emails about people wanting to join. Sure. And, and I get it, dude. It's a fucking great thing that we're doing i'm super proud to be a part of it so right. yeah and it, it's just wild man uh and it takes the right fit because it's not only us dude it's not only us hanging out we have a huge responsibility when we go train people and it has to be the most uh professional and uh cutting edge new accurate new to them and accurate yeah dude it can't I've just be that. bullshit hey uh so so-and-so said that uh what do you what do you think about <laughs> really careful what you say, man. You got to like say things exactly the right yeah, way. Because people, it, some people take things so they do, man. And yeah, it's a, it's almost a little art, and that's what Mike has been really great about is fine tuning that for all of us to have that understanding uh, of how that is. So I'm glad you're you're having fun so far, man. I love it. it. It's awesome. <laughs> Uh, how can people find you on social media? Let's try to get you built up more so people can find you and talk about uh, some of your posts and see what you're doing. Uh, I know currently you're just on Instagram, right? I've been on Instagram a while, but I just started like posting on Actively Instagram. Actively getting on. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm gonna, gonna, you're I'm like, bro, get you going. you've got to get your yeah. Instagram going. I'm like, All dude, of us. I, don't, I don't do this whole social media thing. <laughs> you got to you know? get good at it, man. Uh, if anything it. else, it's a way to share your experiences and your training with people. Uh, so what's your Instagram tag? Aaron Coulter 212. Spell that. 
A A. It's A A Ron. A A R O N. C O L T E R two twelve. Right on. If you guys uh, end up following me at Raul.Martinez.Junior, uh, I put tons of posts with the whole team. I put myself on there. Uh, I tag the guys all the time. So if you don't know who they are, if you're not following them, uh, and you can't find them directly uh, through at A A R O N C O L T. Yep. E R E R two one two two one two for two hundred twelve degrees. Uh, ooh. ooh, so there's cool shit in there, dude. Come on, man. You got to explain these things so that it's it's more captivating. Do you 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 want know, to do? We have time. Or two twelve, real quick. Yeah, let's two minutes. Go. It's actually a really cool thing. So for people, for people that know, they're probably like, oh yeah. For people that don't know, so what's the difference between two hundred? So what is two hundred twelve degrees? You know, tell me. It's boiling water. Okay. What's the difference between 211 degrees and 212 degrees? A degree. One degree. <laughs> so 211 degrees is just warm water. Uh-huh. 212 degrees is boiling water. What does boiling water do? It gives you steam. Mm-hmm. Well, steam is what powers the world. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're getting into other stuff, other technology. Dude, but yeah. you know, this is like in the like most previous era, right? So steam is what you know gives us heat. The it's what powers locomotives. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, steam powers the world. You know, steam, I mean, the Navy was all about steam engines and stuff, right? So um, th- what's the difference between, so 212 degrees gives you steam, which powers the world. Well, what's the difference between 211 and 212? 211 is just hot water. That's mm. all it is. It doesn't do shit. 212 Damn. powers the world. Y'all, so y'all heard one it degree here. is what makes all the difference. So that yeah. extra mile, that one extra degree, that extra rep, that extra minute getting up early, that extra hour getting up, that, that, that extra hug to your wife, that extra shot when you're down there at the range, that this that one extra degree is what makes all the difference in the world. Damn, what a way to close that out, dude. <laughs> Super cool. So be uh, two twelve degrees in your life. Everything <laughs> that you do, don't be just hot water. Yeah. Be two twelve. I like that. Hell yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh it's been a long hour and some change. Glad you guys stayed with us. Uh super cool uh having uh, the the time to, to have this conversation with Aaron and uh yeah, we'll see you guys soon. 